Hello and welcome back to Mid-South Moments. This week, part two of our specials, a look back at Houston wrestling in 1984. I hope you all very much enjoy this. We'll be back next week with a new episode looking at the first episode of Mid-South Wrestling that was taped outside of the Irish McNeil Boys Club. Yes, quite a momentous moment. Until then, enjoy the show. So, in a bit of a departure from Mid-South Television Reviews, we've got part one of two special shows looking back at some classic Mid-South matches from Houston Wrestling during 1984. Regular co-host Dan Phillips is here. How are you doing today, Dan? Very, very good, thank you. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this is a bit of a different show. Yeah, I've, yeah. So we've we've really, I think it's fair to say we've really wanted to look back at some longer Mid South matches, uh, and for a long time. And over the next two weeks, we're going to go through some of the highlights from 1984. Um, and this will also bring the Mid South television episodes back in line with the dates they aired. A point that has been bothering me for about six months now, since a brief time doing two shows a week, which I realised was killing me, and I soon stopped. So. As some, of, as some of you may know already, um, Bill Watts reached an agreement with longtime Houston promoter Paul Bosch, where Watts would provide the talent for the shows in Houston, and he also purchased a percentage of the office. And thankfully, a lot of these tapes have survived the test of time, whereas most of the Mid-South house shows either weren't taped or weren't saved. So I've tweeted the links out directly to these matches, so hopefully you can watch them and enjoy them as well. And also, we're going to use the Mid-South Moments match rating system for these longer encounters. So instead of stars, we've got a more simple uh, system here. So the lower end of the system is skip. One step above skip was it was all right. One step above that is recommend. And one step above that is must watch. That took, how long did we were discussing that system? Probably about six weeks we came out to well, that together. Yeah. yeah, I think we've worded them really well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've covered all, covered all bases here. So the first match we're going to look at is from, or was from, January the 27th, 1984. Um, all of these from the Sam Houston Coliseum in Houston, Texas. And this was the Midnight Express versus Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2 for the Mid-South Tag Team title match. Um, so there's no commentary on any of these matches. Uh, and the first thing you'll notice after the fast start from the baby faces is the continual and incredible roar from the Houston crowd. Um, before we go, I'll go on and sort of briefly recap the match, you just, just comment on this, this, this incredible crowd here. I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal. I mean, I noticed that it went sort of straight into the action, mm. but that was a, so, but that was irrelevant really. The crowd were absolutely pumped Yep. regardless of it going straight in it was and, and uh, to be honest that's a theme you know, it's not much of a spoiler uh, the theme through these matches is the crowd are electric yeah the, way the, more than a house show um, you know it, they are buzzing and it's just yeah straight away do you know what it's one of those where I've, I was sort of I think I started watching it and turned it down yeah you know, no you're commentary right. anyway yeah, you're right. I wanted to hear the crowd but once I realised oh, actually there's no commentary on these I had to turn it down because it was, honestly, it was, it was buzzing. So, yeah, yeah it's great to see. The, a lot of these matches are, are taken probably a step above because of the crowd. And there's a lot of stalling from the Hill team early after being victims of a pre-bell attack. And I noticed that the ring didn't have an apron skirt. Is that the right word? Apron skirt? Ring apron? I mean, ring apron's yeah, the top I, bit. I, yeah, I've written this down too, but I don't think I used the word skirt. <laughs> um, I'm sticking I with apron skirt. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't find it now. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit, it was really strange actually because 
then I, I was actually thinking about that after, like, why do they have one? And I guess obviously number one to hide what's behind the ring, but yeah, number yeah. two is probably purely advertising, really, like just advertising the show. You have the show's logo, but actually it does hide what's underneath the ring, doesn't it? Yeah, because which actually see- is that? I don't know, but that's not necessarily a, if you can see what's under the ring. I don't know if that's a bad thing. Oh, there's yeah. a chair under the ring. Is that is that? ruining the illusion I, don't, I, I think don't maybe a bit if you were sat if you were sat up up in the tiers you probably it probably wouldn't make much difference but if you were sat right at the front you could see the big thing holding the ring up and uh you could yeah. see you could see how much it was going down and the springiness and that sort of stuff so i think that's probably the why they um why they introduced it but i've not seen that in too many too many places before um so Eaton brought a chair in and ended up being painfully atomic dropped onto it by Magnum. Um, and still at three minutes into the match and not really a huge amount of action, there was a consistent buzz from this incredible crowd. Um, eventually at the four-minute mark, Eaton and Mr. Wrestling 2 were sent to their corners and Magnum and Conjury really started the match proper. Um, Magnum's offense sent this cr- already hot crowd to roof-blowing off proportions and they didn't let up when two was tagged in and continued the beatdowns on the Midnight's. Um, the Midnights had, in a rare showing of wardrobe unity, matching red outfits, albeit Eaton was in his usual long tights, whereas Condry was in trunks. Um, Cornette was on the outside looking dashing with a light grey three-piece suit, blue shirt and pink tie, along with his customary tennis racket. What did you think of Cornette's outfit here? I thought he looked very strapping. Yeah, he did, didn't um, he? He really did. And uh, I'll tell you what I did notice with him, actually, and goes back to the crowd, he was, they was, I, I could see them, they were like squaring up to him. Oh, yeah, times. yeah. It was really like, like, I don't know, because there was such a buzz about the place. Um, I guess the difference I noticed as well from the house shows is people seemed to be like, not agitated is the wrong word, but they were like, like, no one was really sitting down. Everyone was sort no. of buzzing and standing up. So actually in the parks, when you've seen the house shows and the crowd get him a bit, it's sort of, they're sitting down and they're shouting at him. He, they, people were like running to the front and like really squaring up to yep. him like to the point where I was watching it and actually it goes on to my, one of the points I made where I don't know if you noticed it but I noticed for all these events there's police just walking around oh I know yeah yeah I yeah, imagine these so, are quite uh, quite tasty crowds yeah day, so yeah. I was a bit like this is the first one so by the time I got to the end of, of the shows that we watched for, for, for what we're reviewing here I sort of was taking a pinch of salt but for the first one I was like the crowd are pretty rowdy there's police yeah. there like, is this what happens? And it turns out, I think this is a thing. Yeah, like, a there, thing. Was, there was a potential danger to him. Yeah. Oh, there were riots. I think people pulled nice on and there's all sorts of stories you can find online about Cornette that are, you know, grown with legend over time. Um, so finally, at the 9.30 mark, the champions took over on two with Eaton using a choke, much to the chagrin of this Houston crowd. Um, Eaton also struck two with a chair to the gut with the referee's back turned. And there were some classic hope spots that followed with two looking like he was going to make the tag to Magnum, but not quite being able to make break free. I love that spot. You see that a lot in, um, in 80s WWF, the Hart Foundation people in the babyface tag team that just couldn't quite get out, which, which yeah. I <laughs> um, at the 15 minute mark the midnights were working over two for a sustained period of time with a useless ref doing nothing about it until Magnum could take no more and he attacked with a plank of wood off screen Magnum got some powder of some sort thrown in his eyes presumably by Cornette allowing them to leave the ringside area and two and Magnum followed and it looked like the crowd went with them did you notice this when, when they when they had went after Cornette it looked like half the crowd was running after, after them behind yeah. them yeah, I just watched. The, I, honestly, I was the crowd just mesmerising me. I 
as I said, because this is the first one I've seen, I was just, a lot of this, I was going, what's happening here? Yeah. This is just like organised chaos at times, you know, like, I guess. And I don't think they announced, a, did they announce a finish here? I don't think they, was there a ring announcement exactly what actually happened? It was a disqualification. So did the, did the Midnight's win by disqualification here? The Midnight's did, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I obviously didn't didn't catch that. So before I rate this, and um, what did you think of the match overall and, and anything to add? So some of my observations, um say the the match sort of didn't really I think the match didn't officially start till about a minute in. Yes. Um, yeah. And then for anyone watching this back, one minute eighteen, I rewound this twice just to think. There is just a noise of what I can only describe as like a fart noise. And please, <laughs> can someone else listen to this back? You're literally, they're just commentating and you just hear... <laughs> and I swear, honestly, it's the most bizarre thing. I've rewound it three times. It's definitely there. I don't get it. It's wow. a complete context. Dirty anyway. protest from Jim Cornette. Dirty protest, yeah. Um, I just wondered what was going on and what I was watching. Um, yeah, so I think Magnum is very top-heavy. He's definitely the epitome in this match of skipping leg day, I noticed. <laughs> he stood out quite a bit to me for that. Did you hear the um, story about that on my stag do? Have I told you about that? No. So on my stag do, the guys made me dress up as basically kind of like Supergirl. Well, it was kind of like Supergirl. It's like a, this, this awful Superman crop top thing with like these blue... Um, these little blue, like very, very short shorts. They, they luckily they allow, allowed me to wear a pair of cycling shorts underneath, but it was still, I was still horribly exposed in all the, all the wrong places. Um, anyway, uh, Mr. Get your, Mr. Get your tips out, um, posted a photo of me on Facebook, um, with all, with all of us. And he's like, come on, it's a stag or something. A girl I've never met before in my life posted it. And I still think about this <laughs> probably at least once a week, four and a half years on. She posted, looks like Supergirl skip leg day. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. What, she, what she posts on her what social media on, on no on Joe so she just randomly commented on a photo of someone she didn't didn't know any, she knew one person of I was thinking imagine if I'd gone on Facebook and like one of my friends had posted on and they were on a hen group and, I, and I'd said oh looks like look like the looks like the hen didn't go to the gym before a hen do or something <laughs> but for god's sake why is that allowed and do you know what I've probably written out uh probably three or four times since then at least like a response to it and also is this on twitter on facebook this is oh, and it's, still, it's still there now but i've never like even even like two or three years on i've i've been like typing out a response that's like pull myself away from it but yeah so <laughs> that leg day comment that hurts me unfortunately <laughs> well i guess you dress as supergirl magnum's in a pair of pants so you know. yeah exactly yeah um so, the thing yeah, is, the thing is, on. just to close the story, I've never trained harder in my life before that holiday. So, so obviously it worked, didn't Brilliant. it? Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed as well on this that the midnights were um, calling for a timeout because obviously I think for the first for the first ten minutes, um, TA and two were, were on fire. They were playing to the crowd, dominating the sort of beat down. Um, you know, I saw that the midnights were asking for timeout. Looked like they were like actually looked like they were about to cry. Yeah, uh, times. <laughs> Uh, I saw one time they were thinking one of them was like running around the ring like a cartoon character. Um, and I finally thought, I think after about five minutes, they locked up and then it went back to just, it was a bit pandemonium, I think. I think it yes. sort of made clear for the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, quite like the sort of um, the classic strategic use of chairs rather than just the old, you know, the stuff that you don't like with the chair smashed straight on the head. Yeah. The strategic, you know, in the gut, quickly, no one's like the rest not looking. You had all of that. I mean, just a. I mean, if we go on to you know Midnight Express, we'll come on later. 
two classic tag teams, but you can tell that they was, you know, these tag teams are so good, like yes, how they yeah. work together and it's just seamless. It's so seamless in regards to like how they managed to sneak a sneak a chair shot in about the rest of the year. Just stuff like I just still love that. Like how when it's just so subtle, like you blink of the eye, they know the ref's not looking, bang, in. Yeah. Um so you had a bit of that. Um I also noticed the crowd in these, I've mentioned this before. If someone goes onto that top rope, the crowd lose yeah. their mind. Mm. God knows what they would do nowadays. <laughs> I mean, they the screams when they go to the top rope. Just like I like that. And then the other thing I did like, I mean, you mentioned before when they when the babyface you just can't make the tag. Yes. Can we just comment on uh, Mr. Wrestling to waddling on his knees to make the tag? <laughs> he waddled on his knees all across the ring, playing tag, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, and then I guess the only other thing for me was. You mentioned about you saw the crowd running after Cornette. I don't know if you noticed that before TA come back with a bit of wood mm. that he sort of hit him over the head with, he went across, bounced off one of the ropes, and then he goes across to the other rope, and then he disappears out of shot, and then you just don't see him, and then he just reappears with the wood. Oh, I know, I didn't know. So to me, yeah. it looked like so he's come off one rope, he's bounced, and then you're waiting for him to come back. And he doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, I was just like, he looks like he's disappeared. In essence, what I'm trying to say is anyone that's going to watch these back, can you please look out for a couple of these like yeah. hidden things I've noticed? Because there's I'm starting to be paranoid it's just me. No, there's <laughs> one in the last stampede match where they basically zoom in for ages and you miss the whole thing. But we'll talk about that when, when we get to that one. So, so, yeah, but um yeah, I mean, yeah, I say as a as a match, if I if I was going on on our scowl, I would say with this one. I am verging between it was all right to recommend. And my recommend yes. is based on, I want people to have a look to see if I'm right about the fart noise and the disappearing man. <laughs> um, but also it's a good, it is a good match actually. And I've, because Mr. Wrestling 2 now has sort of moved on from where we are on Mid-South now, he's not in it, is he? Yeah, he's long. So it was yeah, quite, yeah. Yeah. I think it was quite good to see him again. Yeah, no, it was. With all so these I think that affected this, yeah. my my um, my thoughts a bit um, about it. But um, yeah, it was. I, I would probably put it between them two. On the yeah, I would agree. That's exactly what I've written. I, I said it was probably an, it was all right for me, but the crowd pushed it into recommend territory. So I think we're we're yeah. on the same page there. So next up from February the twenty fourth, nineteen eighty four, is Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Jim Nightheart. And I didn't know going in this was a football helmet on a pole match, but I was delighted that it was. Um, when Nightheart first tried to climb up, he looked like he was going to pull the pole down and the whole ring itself. In fact, every time one man hits the ropes, I thought the whole ring was going to collapse. Um, Reed missed a big elbow drop um, from the middle rope, which he did incredibly well to keep his balance for on the shaky ropes. Nightheart climbed up the pole, and this reminded me briefly of a stag deal I was on in Bulgaria earlier this year. Um, I should probably move on from that quickly. Reed and Nightheart fell back into the ring off the pole, and Nightheart worked over Reed until Reed reversed charged reversed a charged and tossed Nightheart through the middle rope. Don't know what that means. Reversed a, reversed a charge from Nightheart and then tossed it through the middle rope would have been a better note there. Um, again, no apron skirt here, um, but we did get sight of a big metal circle-like object, um, which I think they may have hit the, with a hammer for the ring bell. Did you no, notice this hanging on the outside? It's almost like a circular bit of metal. I wonder if they, if they smashed right. that with something for the ring bell. It wasn't actually no, a bell. I didn't, 
Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I wonder. What, I guess it must have been. Um, Reed hit Nightheart with a terrible-looking chair shot to the head. Um, terrible in the sense that it barely touched him, but for the best with 20-20 vision before climbing up to try and get the pole. Um, it looked for a little while that he was going to do an elaborate dance up there, pretending to fall off just because of perhaps a stiff breeze in the air. But actually, when the camera finally zoomed out, it was it showed Nightheart was shaking the ropes. Um, Reed hit his big tackle after running the ropes, and the crowd didn't really react to that big. Um, it seemed Nightheart. Hart was more in the babyface role here, and though that wasn't clearly t- determined on television. Um, Reed then scaled the pole with an excellent straddling of it to retrieve the helmet, albeit he was then in, then press slammed off the top rope while wearing it. Knight Hart then put on the helmet, charged Reed with it, but was hit in the face with powder. Reed tried to take the helmet off, succeeded, went up to the middle rope, and then slammed Knight Hart with a headbutt. Um, Jim was busted open at this point, and as Reed continued the beating while wearing the football helmet. There was another big headbutt tackle from Reed before the one, two, three in nine minutes and 24 seconds. Knight Hart's head looked badly lacerated and Reed continued the, belt, the beat down until Terry Taylor made the save, but Knight Hart pushed him off. Taylor then ended up getting attacked by Reed with the helmet as well. Silly Terry poking his nose in other people's business again here. And there's a huge JYD chant as Reed went up to the top rope and slammed Taylor with a flying headbutt. And what did you think of this? Uh, this football helmet on a pole match so yeah i was very intrigued because obviously obviously recent in the recent weeks we've been promised a football helmet match mm. um, so i was like okay i'm finally getting to watch a match with a football helmet it's something i never knew i wanted <laughs> um until recent weeks um i also on this um had a little look on and i've, I've done this with the rest of them actually the comments on youtube oh okay so yeah quite interesting other yeah. people that have watched this um, and there was people there's only four on this one um, and I'll come put more into the comments for the other matches as we go on um, but people sort of you know a lot of comments like of these comments you've got you know miss those days I remember these from Mid-South Power Pro in 84 when wrestling was real um, and then someone's put like you know Reed goes over clean on Nightheart and then Terry Taylor Um which he, someone's put, this just shows the monster push that Watts was giving him, mm. which I thought was quite quite interesting. Like, you know, comments that I'm like, you know, we would normally hear on the podcast, so I just thought yeah, it was yeah. quite interesting seeing on YouTube. Um, like you say, the match starts, and you've got that classic, like, bell rings, leg it for the pole. Um, <laughs> uh, Tear the and, whole ring down. Yeah, and so that, but then actually I was thinking, so what's the, I didn't know, so, I, so I'm looking, okay, so he's climbing the pole, so is this like, the original ladder match, you get the helmet off the pole. But actually, from what I learned, you get the helmet off the pole and then the match begins in regards to then it's a then it's a match. You still got to pin pin the person. You don't win by getting the helmet down. No, you can just use the weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm assuming you can't pin the person until that's down. I don't know. Um, I I assume if you've got something on a pole match... They've never just gone. Small should we just leave them? Should we just minutes. leave? Yeah, should we just leave that <laughs> up there? Um, probably not in the rules. Um, and actually, to be honest, when I was questioning that, I asked uh, my talking to my WCW expert Tony on it, and he and he, he alerted me to the Viagra on a pole match. Oh yeah, yeah, WCW, yeah. Uh, which he told me to Google, and literally all the articles are things such as horrible must-see pole matches, things that <laughs> R- Russo's worst ever ideas. And they're, they're all the articles for that one. Um, Just why you would need Viagra. Um, why you would need Viagra with um, 
for Tory, I don't know, but that's a different story, I guess. Um, I was looking at, yeah, I mean, there was no context around like why it was a football match, like helmet match. That's one of the things with commentary, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You, you do realise watching these, these are, like, you know, another, another good match, but the, the no commentary sometimes is that getting commentary, having commentary is obviously good, but getting it wrong is obviously can really ruin it. But, you know, things like adding a bit of context behind it. Because I was I've been like, why, why are they using a helmet? What, what helmet is it? Like, Yeah, you... yeah. And also, actually, all we'll have seen on TV about this is then the breakup, which was done really, really well. But we wouldn't have seen any of the local promos saying they were going to do a football helmet on a pole match. No. So, yeah, you're right. You're, we're missing a piece of the puzzle here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did notice, obviously, this is a younger Neidhart. He's <laughs> carrying some timber. Yes. He's a big boy. Uh, he must he loses a lot of baby fat as he goes. So I noticed the police presence again. Um, I did like the classic. The match started with the run to the pole, climb up it as soon as quick as I can. And then obviously the match starts and you have that classic slow climb, like you do in the ladder matches, where all of a sudden climbing up the ladder takes ages because actually if you climbed it normally, you just get it. Like climbing up the pole just becomes so... Like just to climb up the, um, the the turnbuckle was taking them ages. Yet they'd come up to one of the other turnbuckles to jump off of it. They were flying up that. Yeah. <laughs> but the one yeah, with the pole to like help that. them up. They, yeah. yeah they, I always find that sort of quite amusing. Um, yeah. Sorry, you mentioned the hammer under the ring. I did. I did see that actually. Now thinking about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jim, yeah. Nye, Jim Neihart pushes it away. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. like it, like oh, I don't want that. I don't know, like whether he's. I will keep keep it safe. Like, given what you told me about this rowdy crowd, I sort of. I'm, I'm, I, wasn't, <laughs> I don't blame it. Um, and also, did notice that, as you say, I'm not sure how this ring was put up, but Neidhart shook the rope when he shook the rope to get him down. Just to clarify to everyone, this wasn't the rope near him. No, this was the no. rope opposite. Yeah. So he shook the whole ring <laughs> um, to knock a bloke that uh, in that weighs a few pounds who's holding on to something off. Uh, I thought that was quite amusing because it's very unrealistic. Um, And then another thing I did find impressive was that the white powder that was used, obviously, I think he pulled out of his trunks, didn't burst during the match. (laughs) Fair play. Mm. Like, if you think he's pulled out of his trunks. Oh, I wonder where that is, though. I know. He's pulled out of his trunks. As soon as he's thrown it, or, you know, he's he's been able to break that or make that come loose very easily. He's just wrestled a whole, like a whole match, and it hasn't burst at all. So mm. he's even been given it halfway, or it's been hidden somewhere that maybe we don't want to know. No, um, in a crevice, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other thing, I just think is, I the top rope diving headbutt, which I think we've seen before, minus helmet. Mm. With helmet is, you know, you know, every so often you get the moves where you go, oh, okay, I don't care how you you're portraying that, that's hurting. Yeah, he 100%. is coming off that top rope in that helmet. I, I did also thought that, um, that not because Nyhart got busted open, should we say, and so did Terry Taylor. I thought Nyhart was very slick with the with the blade. You know, I like you know, I love to sort of check. Yeah, he you're a, you're slick. a resident blade. Ter- Ter- yeah, Terry Taylor on the other hand, not as slick. With the blade. <laughs> I mean, Nyhart, I was like, how's he? Got fair play like that headbutt's opened him, opened him up. He's he's done well there to like he's done that very quickly. Terry Taylor is not as uh, not as not as subtle. I think it no. he was sort of rolling around like holding his head. You're just like 
right, we're obviously doing it there. Like you're going to remember, oh, like he's emerged with blood on his face. Um, but yeah, I, I must admit that, um, yeah, the, the, the diving headbutt, which I haven't commented on before, yeah. Very impressive when it's, I mean, that's a big guy coming at you. Oh, he's, su- he's, he's super wow. athletic. Yeah, really, really, really incredibly athletic. Um, I was tempted to go must watch here just because of the silliness and the pole dancing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but in the, in the interest of trying to keep this Mid-South moments match rating system you know as, as revered as dave Meltzer's, i'm going to go with um recommend but a very I different went, recommend from the first one i went recommend um again i think the theme of the match makes this a recommend yeah i agree, uh, I agree. it's something different not seen it before actually quite interesting um so I'd recommend watching it because i doubt people have seen this type of match before so that's that's what i would go recommend yeah yeah would agree so next up from March 23rd, 1984, from, again, from the Sam Houston Coliseum, we have Magnum TA versus Mr. Wrestling 2 in a non-title match. Uh, so this is, this is not for the Mid-South uh, North American title. Um, disappointing, just FYI. Yeah, disappointing. Just a big, big grudge match, a former teacher and protege. And interestingly, as I mentioned at the start of this, they said that Mr. Wrestling 2 was due to face Junkyard Dog, but now Mr. Wrestling 2 is North American champion and JYD has left Mid-South. So this wasn't his actual departure, um, but set up his return as Stagger Lee, which we will look at after this. Um, I thought Magnum might have got a little annoyed around the 3.30 mark in this for a bit of lack of selling for Mr. Wrestling 2, but it's possible that could just be a Mid-South Moments conspiracy theory like we talked about in the Montreal episode. Did that's you re- that's, re- that's, re- that's really weird you say that because I think I sent you a thing on Twitter the other, the other day where it was a video of a guy that, that wasn't selling. Yes, uh, you did. Yeah, you did. And I can't remember who, who was in it now, but... I said, you know, and, and it was just showing, you know, showing a match where where someone, I think, because it wasn't the guy, I think the guy was annoyed or whatever. Or he, 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 uh, I think they hadn't been, I think the story with that is they hadn't been smartened up, I think is, is what it what yeah, was. The, but, he, yeah. but it looked like he wasn't selling it. And this, this really, I've written a note, so this reminded me of that clip I sent you to start. Yes. Where I was just like, he's not really joining in here. No, it was really like, strange. It didn't really click to start off with at all. Um, I don't know why why that is really but, um, I wondered if he thought Magnum was going Magnum was possibly going a bit too fast or got a bit excited in this big you know big match for him don't know yeah. but it was something was weird here wasn't it yeah oh yeah I, yeah it didn't it didn't sit well no uh, at the start it, you know yeah go on carry on because you know so um Basically, um, he was laying in shots to two, um, but two wasn't really reacting to them. He said something and then went to throw him across the ring to the ropes and two wouldn't do it and stalled and ended up just dropping down. Um, two did a couple of really horrible looking knee, almost like face rakes on TA. Um, the sort of horrible looking in the sense it actually looked stiff rather than didn't look good. I imagine this is the sort of move I can imagine like an older brother using on his younger sibling to really annoy him, like rake him across the face with his knee and um, again on the outside two didn't seem to cooperate when magnum tried to throw him under the bottom rope though this may have been more of a just a pure bodge rather than lack of cooperation um, the crowd bit really hard on near fall after a magnum drop kick but two kicked out magnum was then victim to the big knee lift but he managed to get his foot on the rope to break up the pinfall although i've written pinball which is not the same thing they then clashed heads as the crowd started to erupt 
Both men struggled to their feet and Magnum hit the belly to belly for the win in 10-14. And wow, what a reaction from this crowd. TA was over as anybody, you know, here. Incredible. Um, the match was so, so, but again, this Houston crowd was out of this world. And um, we also got a short follow-up promo for the return match in April for the title from both men. And um, what did you think of this one? Yeah, so um, just go back to my YouTube thing. So this one had 16 comments. Okay, yeah. Um, and actually... To be honest, a lot of them, quite interestingly, a lot of them are from five months ago. Oh, okay. Which is when two yeah. died. Yeah, yeah, so of I course. Can see yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people have obviously gone, maybe Googled, uh, YouTubed him, etc. So I thought that was quite interesting and quite nice, actually. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, people, some of the comments was like, Bill Watts ran the greatest wrestling organisation of all, all time, how it's supposed to be. This crowd's on fire. Wish it went on for longer. Magnum was so hot. Uh Mr. Wrestling 2, uh, people not liking that him when he was a heel, um, talking about his devastating knee lift. Yes, um, the million-dollar knee lift. It, yeah, wishing it went on for longer, if I'm honest, is not something I I felt. No, I thought 10 minutes. Was, this is classic. This is classic what we talked about numerous times. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. 10 minutes yeah. is fine. And I do think, so, as, as you say, I mean, it, the start, and only was he not selling, it was just quite a slow start. I mean, there was all stuff, they had like a pre-match, um, like a boxing little talk, you know, uh, mm. the ref, my favourite ref, Pee Wee, uh, Mickey yep. Pierce, he called him over and he was giving him like a, yeah, like, like a boxing talk because I think uh, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 was sort of saying, don't pull my mask. Yeah. He was giving it all of this. It was all a bit like, come on, get on with it. And then, oh, and then, do you yeah, not like? Do you not like? I quite like that because I, I thought it added added like a big fight, almost like a big fight feel to it. A, a bit, I like but it. I like to. It is stalling, like though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah, okay. I, I mean, for me, I was a bit like, "Come on, get on with it." Yeah. Um, but I guess it depends how it's done. Like that had a big fight feel. I mean, I think one of the matches later has got a lot of this going on as well. But um, so it was quite weird actually watching the match, having just watched the first match we've reviewed on this, where they're mm. a tag team. And I thought they were really good together. But obviously, it's obviously all part of the storyline. Um, T.A. looks so T.A. looks like a wrestler, doesn't he? Like, he looks like yeah, a wrestler. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Mr. Wrestling 2 just looks like... I mean, he don't wrong. Other than the fact that I think we criticised that he maybe weren't selling it very well early on. He's a good wrestler, but he looks like a bloke from the pub. They've just whacked a mask on. Well, he is, he yeah. Looks more like a, he looks more like a British, like what we always say, you know, about the old, like... British wrestlers, the giant Hayley Stacks and all of that. So I mean, he's, I 40, he's 49 yeah. in this, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's 49, yeah. And TA, I think, is about half his age, I think. Yeah, TA's, TA's mid-20s, isn't he? So yeah. That, that, that's just I mean, goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah. But it was very, it was very old school wrestling. I've just put it, you know, nothing fancy, solid, quite realistic, actually. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree with you. The crowd absolutely erupted at him winning. I, obviously, he was over. And I guess also as well, when you've got, uh, you're watching a match that was meant to be someone else, more often than not, you, you're going to be like, well, the replacement isn't going to win because they weren't even in the storyline. Hmm. So actually, more, more often than not, funnily enough, they do try and put the baby face over in those, those circumstances. Well, even if, they well, can. if they're new in. If, if there's a replacement, yeah. Not not all the time, but that is a thing they've tried to... Yeah, they so do try to do, Because yeah. it's, it's not... He wasn't meant to be in it. He's not going to win it, if you know what I mean. That was what I was thinking. But um, yeah, yeah. a couple of other just quick, uh, very quick observations. Um, 
was something really good. The crowd was so diverse. I thought it was brilliant. I haven't noticed that in itself. You had all different ages, all different races, mm. the different genders. It was such a mixed crowd. Quite, yeah, and great. again, pumped again. Yeah. Um, not as not as aggressive as the fight we'd just seen. <laughs> um, but they seemed, you know. I also noticed that the refreshment person dressed in red uh, in the crowd had like, had like a... Two silver buckets, um, which I can only assume must have been filled with beer. Yeah. They're just like massive buckets, like they're going to a well or something like that. <laughs> just, bu- just wandering through the, the aisles and then like waiting for, you can see that whole, like they're holding these like things up with obviously some sort of, you know, like the weight, weighing on why they're waiting for these people to scrap their coppers out of their pockets to sort of buy a beer for like however many bucks or whatever. So at, at WrestleMania 34, the Superdome, uh, they the only two drinks that were available by the end of the night were um, Bacardi and Stella were the only two drinks <laughs> left. <laughs> so we had a we had a Bacardi and Coke and an Stella to the to end the night. While uh, was that 34? Yeah, yeah, 34 was Reigns and Lesnar in the main event, which was which was pretty shocking and the crowd just rejected and then, and then out of nowhere, Lesnar won when everyone reigns. But yeah, it's funny with those people when they walk past. I tell you what, the ones at the Tokyo Dome are interesting. Um, I'll, I'll tell you more about that off air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so where are we on the, in, in terms of this match? I, I'm going to go recommend almost mu- must watch here. And again, mostly based on the strength of the crowd. What do you think for Magnum and the opposite way? Oh, have you? you got, have you gone skip slash? It was gone, all right. No, no, no. I've gone, it was all right. Oh, okay. Slash, slash. No, actually, I don't even know what I'm saying. Slash, I've, it, it was all right. I thought it was all right. I do, I, just, I, I like, generally do. The reaction at the, for Magnum, I'm always going to be, I, I, I love that at the end in terms of crowd like r- erupting. So that, that's probably taken up at least yeah. a notch or two for me. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm not all that excited about what's coming next because I know what I've got to go through, which is going to be interesting. But let, let's, not, let's not give anything away before we get there. April the 15th, 1984, Bill Watts and Staggerly versus the Midnight Express, the last stampede. So in this video, the only one that's on Daily Motion rather than YouTube, um, there's a lot of the feud that's recapped um, before, um, you know, before the match. And actually, there's, there's some good stuff in here and also some rare stuff. So this included Bill losing it and finally hitting Cornell, which we saw on Mid-South Television, and a beatdown by the Midnight Express. There was a really serious interview of Jim Ross um, with Watts, which was really fantastic. We also got the scenes out on JYD's farm with Jim Ross and Watts there, where JYD said he couldn't help him because he made a promise he would be gone for 90 days, but he knew someone uh, in Stagger Lee, which is basically obviously him, um, we also get the post-match stipulations um, with the baby outfit and the dress, etc., which would be used across various locations. Um, we got some rare, rare local promos of Jim Ross first advertising the match at the Sam Houston Coliseum with Cornette um, and the Midnight Express, um, also uh, followed by Watts and one really good one from Cornette before more from Watts. Unfortunately, there is some language in these promos from Watts that's you know, a bit grating and unacceptable to say the least. Um, but that aside, this is strong stuff. And it's clear to see why these matches did the best business Mid-South ever did. Um, and, you know, there's there's more to come on that in terms of, you know, follow up in terms of talk about the match. So before we actually go on to the match itself, Dan, what did you what did you think of some of this? Because I guess you'd see, you've seen some of this stuff. Um, you've seen some of this stuff previously, but not, I guess, all of it. Yeah, so I'd seen, yeah, some of it all, but also merging it all together was quite interesting. 
this was off on the on the list. This was the most intrigued I was. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. A match. I was quite intrigued. Um, and I'll be honest, by the end of the feud recap, as I've called it, I was I was quite pumped up for it. Oh, okay, was, good. Um, yeah, so they did a good job. There was some good stuff in here, wasn't there? Yeah, actually, but, actually yeah. Bill Watts done a bit. Jim Cornette does a job of like, he is who he is, right? So mm. he's that sort of spoiled kid sort of thing. Bill Watts is like promos. I was like, oh, I actually feel like he's going to, beat this guy up like, he was a ho- I, feel I tell like you what he's yeah. well into this like I, I i i was i was by the time the match started after about what's it 20 minutes is that right yeah it's, yeah it's about 20, 20 minutes yeah, 20, 22 minutes uh 22 minutes 20 the match starts in the yeah. video so yeah 22 minutes but of recap 20 minutes of recap i was i was quite pumped for, yeah. i was i was fully in this by the time the match started so i was quite glad i was disappointed on daily motion on youtube because i didn't have my youtube comments but I was, and um, Daily Motion is such a pain in the rear yeah, end, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, okay. But I mean, some of the things for me, I mean, as you say, some of the... It's, it's, I, was, I was just laughing at a lot of it, you know, like just even starting off with Jim Connett, one of the promos saying, uh, he's talking to JR, I think, and then Bill Watt talks over it. He just out oh, knows what's Big Head doing here? I mean, just <laughs> stuff like that just makes me it's laugh. He's so like, witty, Connett, it's yeah. Like, it's just stupid, like, and then it was talking about... I think, oh, that was it, because he'd, he'd been it just been covered in cake or whatever. It's just the way Bill Watts goes, oh, I think it was funny. Yeah. Like, just so like deadpan. <laughs> I don't know. That just sort of has me like. And Bill, the, Watts um, is, Bill Watts is talking. I mean, I like Bill Watts's commentary, but him as a, you, it almost made me want to look back at some of his stuff in the seventies. Yes. Cause this guy is, is a good, this is a, this is a, you know, a pure baby face. This is a hero. This is a guy. I'm going to take out this heel. I'm, you know, I'm, I stand for what I believe in. And it, this, the, these people are going down. I mean, crikey, this, yeah. was, this was great. Wasn't it? I just wish he'd been a bit, you know, a bit, bit younger in the match, I suppose. Cause the match. Yeah. Is a bit so, of a so he was about 45, yeah. I think. I yeah. Saw, but, um, I like sort of like calling it like, in essence, because I'm, I'm going to call my mum. I mean, it just, yeah. just makes me laugh. Like, it's like he's dealing with, because he even mentions about his stupid, geeky looking son, which given. Oh, it, yeah, poor Joel. <laughs> yeah, but given Jim Connett's 23, Joel probably isn't that much different in age. Joel's 20, yeah. Because jo- yeah, his like, birthday is New Year's Eve, yeah. yeah they're like similar ages, yeah. um, which sort of made me laugh. So I was a bit like, yeah, he's probably. I, I mean, I must admit, looking for Joel. Or trying to find his age, um, he's very elusive. Uh, he's very difficult to find on on Google or. Well, nowadays. they only know because they t- talk about it about Joel about to be turning about to be twenty one yeah. on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you can't find him anywhere. Joel Watts no, is he's very, very gone. The radar, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's a certain you know he continue Watts continually uses a certain. Mm. But it, to the to the point where I think at one bit he goes to call him something else and corrects himself. You didn't need the correction. No, you did not yeah, need the yeah. correction there. <laughs> he gets the insult. Um, and uh, the other thing I, <laughs> I thought there's a couple of other things with with Watts about um, uh, when he uh, yeah when he goes to see JYD that he <laughs> he asked him to turn the mu- his hip hop music off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So they're talking and he's like, can you, can you turn that down turn a bit, please? <laughs> so unnecessary. And he's like, just playing his tunes. And then when he goes to get JR to go and see Stagger Lee, JR's in a blindfold. <laughs> yeah. like, trying And they're walking really slowly to go and see him. And Stagger Lee's just parked in the middle of a field. And like, Jim Ross has got his blindfold Can't on. reveal his location. I'm at, yeah. And like, I'm looking at JR. Like, I think I had a look. He's 32 in that. So I'm just yeah, like... Wow. I'm just like, look at this guy. Like, what is he doing? And he's obviously acted as well, which I thought was just brilliant. Um, 
Uh, I actually just put JR walking blindfolded. Great TV is what I put in my notes. <laughs> um, but the other thing, couple of things I had was um, that uh, what also like he specifically said this is one of Cornette's mum's dresses as in yeah, how did yeah. get hands on that uh, then obviously he mentions a couple of things that aren't really appropriate yeah how did he get his hands yeah, on I know and then um, I guess the only other thing I had was when I was searching for Bill Watts because I, I, exactly like you said I sort of thought god I'm quite interested now to see like what this guy's career was does he have the longest biography title ever do you know what? It's over there, actually. It's in this room. Uh, what is it? The what cowboy. Is it called? It's called the cowboy, the cowboy and, the and the cross. The Bill Watts story. Yeah. Rebellion. Rebellion. Uh, what is it? Rebellion. Rebellion. Wrestling and redemption. Yeah. I'm like, no, no. You've got this wrong. You either do the cowboy and the cross, the Bill Watts story, or the Bill Watts story. It's like he's gone two. What should I do? I don't know. Just whack it either side. Of my <laughs> just say Bill Watts, my story. It doesn't have to be anything yeah. else. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does work for autobiographies. But well, I gathered from from having a little thing that it's a lot about wrestling and finding God. Sure, I've mind. read a lot of it. I need. I need to. I, I refer to. I, I do research quite a lot for me, um, but I haven't read any of the stuff after Mid South as of yet. But what I need to do really is read it all in one go. Um, but but it, I tell you what, it, it's really difficult using it as a, re, a research tool because he jumps around so much. Like. Oh, right. The Houston, what you would expect from a book like this, and a lot of the wrestling, but like Bret Hart's prime, like perfect example of this. Yeah, you, if you open a page in Bret Hart's autobiography, it will be I don't know 1987, and you'll get from Bret Hart what he did in 1987, and then in after that it'll be 1988. In this one, like I thought, oh, I'll, I'll find out definitively what the Houston wrestling because Houston wrestling wasn't part of Mid South. And it was whenever you look on their thing, it's always like co-promoted. So it was Mid South, really, by this time. But I wanted to get a bit of background of the story, and he's talking about that. But then he, it's way after it happened, so he's like right. gone back in time to talk about it. It's like just do it in order. It's really annoying. <laughs> but yeah, so um, onto the match itself. I thought the production, or perhaps to be fair, the videotape quality um, was not as good on this one as the other matches on the list. Um, but you can still hear and appreciate how hot the crowd was for it. Um, so the Watson Lee team are firmly on the offense in the early going with what can kindly be described as basic attack from them. And um, there was also a weird bit in this, where, as we talked about earlier on, where the camera appeared to be stuck too far zoomed in. So you couldn't see what was going on either side of the zoom. And um, Eaton was busted open somewhere uh, in here before finally the Midnights took over on Watts. And Connor even got a cheeky shot with his tennis racket in. And um, Stagger Lee looked to have a bloody Eaton pinned after a power slam until Cornet hurled the tennis racket in and Eaton struck Lee. The referee was way out of position here and didn't do a count or for a near fall or anything, which I think that might have been a mistake. Um, Eaton and Lee then bumped heads while Condry and Watts carried on fighting. Eaton tried to get powder out to throw in Watts' face, but Watts expertly booted it back at him and got the pin after a body slam of sorts in 13 minutes to an uproarious reaction from the crowd. And then things took a bit of a turn. So after the bell, Boyd Pierce, in an incredible lime green suit, had something in his hand. And Magnum TA appeared on the scene also, um, Corn- who actually was really difficult to see, but it was Magnum. Cornette begged on his knees to all three not to be humiliated, before getting up and slowly starting to undress again to a huge reaction from the Houston crowd. And, and, in, and, in, and, and in London as well. Yeah, yeah. I, well, actually, I've written, <laughs> at this point, I, wa- I started to wonder why I got into podcasting. Magnum, <laughs> Magnum then tried to put Cornette's jacket on Stagger Lee, but it didn't fit. Cornette was soon topless. Then he started undoing his red trousers 
and they did the old schoolboy trip on the poor guy, they had a big white sheet looking thing in the ring, which they laid Cornette down on, covered him in baby powder and then made him drink from a bottle. Watts then wrapped the sheet around him in the style of a nappy. And this all got a thunderous, thunderous response from the Houston crowd. None more so than when Cornette stood up in the droopy nappy sheet. Dan, help. Right. Let me start with the match. And then I'll go on to the something that I've sort of only seen in in foreign countries on stack these. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the match, you, you mentioned at the start, it's Bill Watts punching people. Yeah, it I'll is. tell you what, yeah. it was very manly. You're watching that, you're like, God, he's a, look at this bloke. He is literally <laughs> just bang, bang. And actually, because in the, in the promos, he, he nails Cornette as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, can I just say, given Cornette's not a wrestler, sold that punch in the Unbelievably in the well, yeah. So yeah. well. Yeah. I was like, I actually rewound that to be like, is he he's proper? Is he proper? I couldn't like, it looked so good. Yeah. Anyway, so it was just, and actually, to put into context how hard these hits were, one of the hits was, he hits one of the Midnight Express so hard that he, that after the hit, he jumps up onto the top rope. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but he hits him no, in the corner. That. That and as yeah. he's gone backwards, he's also then leapt up and sat on the top rope for then him to be able to then bash him off of it. Well, oh, um, I was careful. just like, yeah, 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 sorry. <laughs> uh, that, that was after the match. Uh, and then, yeah, so that bit there was all very mad. Then, then obviously... Midnight Express, I, I felt, made it a, a whole a classic. Get him in hold. Let's yeah. calm this down a little bit. We're a proper wrestling. Oh team. yeah, classic stuff. Really Very classic clever. Stuff. You yeah. know, trying to show. Hang on, we're on top here. I also, you know, the classic manager. Ref don't see the ref don't see the tag or ref don't. You know, they done the actually to their detriment in the end actually because the ref didn't see the tag. I think from Watts to Stagger Lee which was their downfall in the end. And I think that's why, you know, you mentioned that the ref should have counted. I don't think that there was a lot of, the ref counted the correct legal men eventually. There was a lot oh, of right, okay. count. And actually I rewound and had a look and actually what's remained the legal man because of this whole, um, didn't, they wouldn't let him pin. Uh, tag, sorry. They wouldn't let him right, tag. Right, right, so right, he remained sense. the legal man throughout. So actually when it was all kicking off, he, that's why he was able just to sort of go and get the pin. Um, I did, I've mentioned before about, you know, when they talk about the banned use of equipment and it's always, always gone tennis racket. Why is that on there? I've just <laughs> going to tell you what, there was some nifty use of the tennis racket. Yes. What I never thought of before was they used the handle. So one of them, I think one of them smashed the handle into the corner, hit him in the gut. And yep. one of them smashed him in the neck with a handle. I was like, yeah. okay, actually this has got, there's a place for this. Um, <laughs> And then the other thing was, you mentioned about the quality of the picture. Mm. Um, I was a bit like, I, was, I, was, I weren't sure if the colour was okay because on a Staggerly's mask, sometimes it looked green and sometimes it looked red. Right, and okay. I wondered, oh, I wonder if this colour's really working. And then out, and out pops Boyd. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, the colour was working. Yeah. Not, that guy walks in, oh, no, it's all right, the colour's fixed. Colour's so fixed. Was, it was absolutely brilliant. And he walks in to the post-match angle, which you you described brilliantly. Um, in essence, yeah. I mean, just disappointingly, as you've noted, the dress 
wasn't used. No, it wasn't. The I jokes, think it was no. being held by the by the ref. I think. Yeah, I thought someone had something else in there, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't. I, you know I, could, I was so haunted, I couldn't go back and look again. So yeah. So I thought, yeah. I mean, you've there's, there's two things I would add. One, Bill Watts might be winding him up about wearing the nappy and stuff, but all I'm going to say is that guy knew how to fold an adult nappy. <laughs> he was given a sheet of white, uh, a white sheet. <laughs> And that man made an adult nappy quicker than you. I can change my daughter's pull on nappy. I wonder so, if if Joel he, on on the uh, days yes, on the see, days when uh, when Joel had, had unfortunately messed up the end of after a so, you know very solid commendable yeah. performance. And he had to change his. He'd me, he'd messed up the end of the Mid South <laughs> Television episode, and he had a few nightmares after that. So perhaps that's where this yeah, comes from. Right. So I'm sorry. I feel awful. You know what? I feel awful saying that about Joel. So I'm sorry <laughs> about that. That really has hurt me. So, so yeah, carry on. And then the other thing was, so we just trying to comment that Staggerly just gives him a kiss. Oh, I didn't notice that. Got, what? Gave, give, give Jim Cornette a kiss. Yeah, at the end, just Cornette sort of coming out of the ring. Staggerly gets him and like plants a kiss on him. Which given, oh, I didn't notice that. Given the given the the mayhem caused by Adrian Street. Yes, um, which is after this. Of after course. this, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can only assume because Joel said that that's the first time he's ever seen a man kiss a man. He obviously wasn't at this event. No, he can't have been. No, he because, can't have been. Because, I mean, yeah, rewatch back, but he staggered league plants one on, which I mean, just was a bit like, why have you done that? There's no need for that. <laughs> um, but yes, it was, it was just, you know what, the bit that's haunting, that haunted me, it wasn't so much so him being in the nappy or whatever. The haunting bit was the stripping off bit. Yeah. Because it wasn't done quickly some bits were done quite slowly it was done started to make it a effect. bit awkward yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but agree, also yeah. made it look quite like quite intimate like oh, why are you like cornet was sort of a bit like um, a bit intimate <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it reminded me of and uh, uh, this is this is isolating the american views a little bit but it reminded me a bit of alan partridge when, yes when he has his, yeah. <laughs> when he has his the flashbacks yeah it was like you've ordered, you've ordered you've ordered a film in the hotel and you've ordered the wrong one oh, i've paid for it now i'm gonna stick with it yeah, jim yeah. cornet stripping off really stripping slowly off. yeah wonder why this was free <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, sorry, go on. all that included, I'm, I'm putting it down as a must watch. Oh, really? I'm gonna <laughs> put. I'm gonna put. It was all right, actually. No so we're, way! We're, yeah, yeah, we're at the I other end. I can't believe that. Do, uh, do you know what? Do, I do think my. I, I put it. I enjoyed the feud bit. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and I think because I watched the feud bit, and because they'd put all the clips that I'd seen a lot of them already, but because they put them all together, as I said, I was fully brought in by yeah. a match starting so as a result I think that's why it became a must watch for me as a, I as would a agree whole, a whole 40 minute video which is what it is it's a must watch yeah, if you're I just agree. watching I the agree. match and you haven't had a recap of all the stuff that's happened I can see why it wouldn't be a must watch yeah, because like, yeah. actually you'd just be like what was that <laughs> yeah, I think if you've got any interest in Mid-South you, you kind of have to you kind of have to watch this video video in whole don't you I think yes yeah. yes so moving on from Jim Cornette, uh, baby powder and a nappy uh, to May the 11th, 1984. And we've got Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Terry Taylor. So in follow-up to the earlier beatdown of Taylor, we now get him and Reed back in the Sam Houston Coliseum. There's big heat for Reed. And Boyd Pierce was in an incredible, incredible shiny gold three-piece suit with a gold-time black shirt. This is a pure 10 out of 10 on the Boyd fashionometer. What do you think of this suit here? This is a bit like our outfits for the darts, wasn't it, actually? Thinking about it. It was a little bit like that. I, yeah. I've got, um, yeah, Boyd, Boyd looked 
resplendent in gold. After. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I also did make another note, actually, that um, the two wrestlers also had a nice couple, of, nice little bit of merchandise. Had a jacket on each that looked quite good. Hmm. Don't know if you remember that. I've actually put next to Terry Taylor's. I bet. I wonder if it smelled as good as it looked. And <laughs> obviously, he could tell me that. Yeah, given his uh, given his problems in recent weeks. So Taylor attacked Reed during the instructions here. And again, the Houston crowd were loud. Poor Terry was sporting his neck brace from having been injured in storyline around this time. And there's a super bump on the outside from Reed after an atomic drop where he just hurled himself at pace into the ring pace, which was just really, really incredible looking. Again, highlighting what a super athlete Reed was. And um, something made Boyd get up during this and almost gestures to the crowd from ringside. Um, did you and then sit back down again? Did you notice that? What was he doing? Did someone shout? Know. Someone slag him off or something? Do you think? Yeah. He got off. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He just got off and just wandered off. I, sure I wondered if there was. Yeah, if, do you think there was maybe trouble? There might be even trouble or something at ringside. He's just trying uh, to calm it down. Maybe. To be honest with you, as I said, as I said earlier, this crowd. I don't know what was. No, I don't know yeah. what to expect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the crowd was super hot for Taylor's offense before Reed got control, and there's an extended beatdown followed, including Reed biting and choking Taylor. And Taylor was busted open pretty significantly somewhere in there. Also, did you spot the? Did you spot the moment? I did. Oh, did yeah. you? Okay, what did, yeah. did you spot him blading or the actual thing that split him open? So I, I, I think that. Um, with this, he, I think on the note on this one I had was I think again he. He covered his, um, he just covered his, oh no, I'll tell you when it was, I'll tell you it was, this, the other one was covered his face. I think this one was, it looked like uh, Butch Reed was biting him. Right, okay, yeah. I don't know if you saw that bit, because I, I actually originally was like, is he biting him? And really weirdly, because I've, I've noticed recently when I've watched some of these, uh, some of the 80s stuff and some of the early WWE stuff, biting seems to have been sort of a thing yeah, yeah. That is not allowed now, but like you often see people biting mm. them But yeah, it's a bit like they don't I, like doing chokes now in WWE. So I, I wonder if that's on the list of things they don't like. Vince doesn't really want people. Oh, I, my! I saw you know I saw Randy Orton biting someone on. Yeah. Or now I've bitten my brother's arm off or something. But so yeah. yeah, yeah. But so what I think was was when he was doing that sort of bite, he bit where the he bit where the cut was. Oh, okay. So I okay. think in that little like hookup which was seemed a bit why are you doing that i mm. wonder if that's where terry was sort of did the did the did yeah, the job, you know, like yeah. he was going in for a kiss so anyway, <laughs> i sort of look but yeah i think that's when he done it yeah yeah okay so reed went for a pile drive at the nine minute mark but taylor managed to backdrop his way out of it and fought back with punches and an atomic drop before hitting his own pile driver this is very much the cactus jack terry funk style fall back into it version of the move and which i which is, you know no no better or worse but i always think this one looks looks pretty good and um, Taylor hit a big fist from the middle rope, three quarters across the ring onto Reed and continued with knee drops. And the finish came when the ref admonished Taylor for using punches in the corner. And with his back turned, Reed got out some brass knucks and tried to hit Taylor with them. The ref caught him and Reed pushed him away, which resulted in a DQ in 11.51. Taylor then got the knucks and eventually used them on Reed. Um, this didn't do a great deal for me. And I would probably put this only just in the it was all right category. What did you think of uh, Reed and Taylor here. So um I guess my points would just be I I, I like that um when you've got like the heel and the and the baby face, uh, which I've noticed in all of these it's quite clear in each one who's who and it's mm. quite you know quite and it's quite classic the sort of the the classic moves for, for each. So for example, there's one bit where um Butch Reed gets thrown to the outside um 
and no one comes up to him or anything right at the start he gets mm. sort of Taylor goes out and like, it's like two blokes come over to make sure he's okay <laughs> and it's just little things like that it's like it's all just subtle little things I quite like one bit I did laugh at and I did remind for was I missed uh, Butchery get the sort of knuckle dust or whatever out of his pants mm. I missed that originally so all I noticed was there's one point he's at the ring and there's a bloke in the front row stands up and starts going, starts putting his hands like, <laughs> in like, like putting his hands down his pants, like really elaborately, like kept like oh, putting no. them in and out of his boxes. And I'm just yeah. like, what is going on? Like, why is that bloke standing up? Like in essence saying, look, I'm touching myself. What, what is happening? <laughs> so then I rewound and I was like, oh, he's trying to say to the rep, he's got something out of his mm. pants. But I didn't see that. So I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> a niche here? ringside activity going on I, there. Yeah. And given what I've just given what the match I've just seen, I was like, this is this is all going wrong here. This is all <laughs> going the way I don't want it to go. Um but again, talking about testament to Butchery that I didn't notice because it's you know slick, very slick. And actually, um later on, when uh, um, Taylor managed to get hold, that happens from a um, he sort of lifts him over his head and it, in it, and the, the knuckle duster or whatever. It's quite slick how it falls out. It's like it falls out during the move. Yes. Which I thought was quite good. Uh, so actually, it's all, I mean, again, these people, it's been, I think, like quite ahead of their time, to be honest. Um, maybe, or maybe this was the time, as a lot of the comments um, would say. I mean, the comments on this, there's a few comments on this one. There's eight YouTube comments on this one. Okay. Um, for those keeping count. Um, but I'll tell you on this one, very, very pro comments, very pro Butch Reed. I don't know whether he was writing them himself. Um, there was, you know, people saying about how he was underused, should have been one of the best heel champions ever. Hmm, interesting. Um, one of the top five ever legit badasses. Uh, badasses, should I say. Um, then someone... I mean, if you go on and watch this YouTube thing, there's someone who has gone on a massive rant, right? Given there's only eight comments. Yeah. Massive rant about how Terry Taylor is a joke. Um, he would have been broken into by this guy. This should have been a squash match. A fairy-like person like Taylor wouldn't even come close to Butch Reed. It's an insult to the viewer's intelligence. This was a, so was, this person, but this is the match that made me think that wrestling must be fake. Wow. This guy, yeah, someone just literally... So this is all in the same comment? Yeah, someone just lost it. It's a chill out. Yeah, like yeah. really, very... Um, I don't know who, um, you know, HBR1 is, but... Mm. Uh, <laughs> this real or fake nonsense, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with it. I understand... I think back then it might have been even bigger. Yeah, but the thing is, I understand, I understand if you are watching... And I, I can't remember when I've, if I've talked about this in the show already, and apologies if I'm going over old ground, but there's this guy on Twitter uh, that, who's got the, the Lord Mount, Lord Mount Ev- Batten Evans thing, the rest, old wrestling rules. He just refuses to accept anything other than his own opinion. It's just like, if, you're in, if your intelligence is insulted watching any fiction on television, you're probably not going to watch it. But ultimately, this wrestling is fiction, and wrestling, Steve Austin drew more money than anyone ever drew in history in 98 and 99 and 2000 and 2001 when everyone bloody knew it was, it was a work. 
So, yeah, I understand that actually these, looking back on these crowds, and it is a different time in the business, and it was great. You know, it's great seeing these incredibly heated crowds and stuff. But you can't tell me that pro wrestling done well in 2020 can't draw. It's all about stars. If The Rock was 35 years old and decided, actually, tomorrow I'm coming back to, actually, it wouldn't matter if he was 35. It'd still, still break everything. The Rock came back tomorrow and did a run with anybody. It would draw incredible business, just like it did. He, he drew the biggest pay-per-view in history against Cena in 2012. So I'm not, I'm just not having it. I'm not having it. It can still He's work. Gone. He's lost it. He's I've lost it. it. It's my, it's my rant. So no, I'm not, ha- um, I'm not having that. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, I, again, going back to the, the ref gets himself a little bit involved here. Um, there's one bit where he kicks Butch Reed's hands. Butch Reed's holding the run. Why well, moves happening? Uh, where I think I don't know. Taylor's trying to drag him down, and he's holding the rope. Ref yeah, just kicks his kicks his hands off the yeah, rope. It's a bit, no bit naughty. Yeah, there's no need for it. That's a it's classic same... referee spot against against heels. Though, is, uh, yeah, is and then like yeah. the same like when Taylor's in the corner. I know you said he was getting berated by the ref, but the ref had let him have five punches before he berated him. Yes, Butchery went to throw one punch, and that was it. It was like get off of him, <laughs> and then that's obviously why he threw him away. So I was yeah. like, again, it's another example of in this one. You know, the, the, to me, it was a bit, the ref was, he wasn't, he wasn't subtle enough for me. It was a bit too, okay, you're, 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 t- he was too much on the babyface side it, it, to the point yeah. that it annoyed me a little bit. This and is a weak finish as well. Right? They didn't want yeah. either man to lose but, here, really, did they? I'll, I'll put it, the crowd seemed happy with it. The crowd seemed happy. Um, I also thought this showed why um, entrance and exit music, so say theme music adds, because, it ended, Butch Reed walked off and Taylor was just sort of standing in the ring like a yeah, spare yeah. part. Yeah. Whereas obviously like, you know, the introduction of the music is really good because he could, I tell you what, because if his music was bad, he could have, he probably would have, you know, gone round to each turnbuckle. And yeah, also, I was, yeah he, just sort, hands the he just sort of stood there and looked like, is that me done? Yeah, I've, I've won by DQ. Okay, great. See, see ya. Perfect, see ya. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not just saying because of that sort of damp squib ending, but, I had it as a, it was all right. Yeah. This is and almost would, a skip, this one. I would yes, say. and it would yeah. be closer to that end, yeah. definitely. So our main event uh, this week is the May 11th, 1974 Houston uh, wrestling match between the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. So it's the first of two battles of the Expresses that we're going to cover. Um, Cornette did a hilarious double bicep pose in the ring after their entrance. And there was a huge ovation to expect for the Rock and Roll Express. And oddly, they had the belts here, but according to the title history, they weren't the champions at the time. And this one was non-title. So if there's any historians out there that can clear this one up for me, please do reach out at mid-moments on Twitter. Um, we got a close-up on Boyd at ringside. This from the same show as Taylor and Reed. So he's still decked out in his incredible gold suit. Um, the Midnights have given up their matching outfits, sadly. Um, I really tried to sit back during this one and just absorb it rather than missing the nuances by taking a load of notes. Um, the Midnights seemed to follow slightly the same pattern as their earlier match with some stalling early designed, I'm sure, to get the crowd into an absolute fever pitch so that when finally the Rock and Roll got their hands on them, they would react even bigger. So the Midnights got on top with a shot from Eaton to Morton's back unsighted by the referee with Cornette's tennis racket. Poor Ricky was thrown over the top rope twice, which should have been a DQ. Um, the ref challenged Eaton on the first one, but ultimately didn't make the call to disqualify the Midnights. The woeful ref also missed a chair shot to the gut of a uh, friend of the show, Morton, on the outside. Um, there was an absolutely super speed of light exchange between Eaton and Morton, where Morton attempted to come back, but ended up getting hit with a huge power slam. 
Um, there was a brilliant but also bizarre moment when Gibson couldn't take Ricky being beaten down any longer. So he fought the midnights off and then literally hip-tossed his partner, Morton, into his own corner. Um, Gibson was a victim of Cornette pulling down the top rope and he fell to the outside after a brief comeback. In ring, the midnights went for a double-team move, but Morton on the outside held Eaton's leg. Gibson hit Conjure with a cross-body block and they got the 1-2-3 in 1439 for an eruption from the Houston crowd. The Midnights complained to the referee and handed him what looked like a small chain, which he showed to the Rock and Roll Express on the outside. The Midnights suggested this had been used illegally. However, the results stood and the Rock and Roll Express had their hands raised by the referee. Um, this is definitely firmly in the recommend category for me. What did you think of this match and how would you rate this on the Mid-South Moment legendary match rating scale? So this one... Talking of scales, off the scale, YouTube comment, 74. Oh, wow. Okay. This was a big, this was big time. This, this got people talking. Um, someone making it very clear that this is a Mid-South and at the start of, at the, start of the video, it mentions it's an NWA classic. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. someone took very much offence to that. Yeah, I noticed that uh, on those videos, yeah. <laughs> I guess um, they were released as a collection because I'm not sure what Houston, I'm not sure whether Houston... Was um was still an I, I didn't I don't know the I, I guess Houston before mid, the Mid South buyout was still in NWA territory but you're gonna have to ask yeah, maybe so, Phil or uh, if you or yeah. Al gets online to, to explain that once because I can't um, but we had you know comments such work of art raw emotion that someone put I quite liked the ten year old me and my grandpa who were there both thought this was real Vince wow. would have Vince would have managed to mess these guys up they're so over. Fans cared about the result rather than any high spots. Um, oh, so put, many bitter people here on there. Yeah, yeah people. Are, <laughs> this is why. This is why. Uh, this is why I fell in love with wrestling. You never hear a crowd reactions like this, and then lots of people. Quite a lot of love for Cornet and his tennis racket. Someone comparing Boyd Pierce with Liberace. Wow. Um, it was a. It, he it was, was a, a ring announcer at WrestleMania One. There you go. After, so uh, it was a big. It was a big. Say. Big talking point on the old YouTube comments, and it was one that I was very excited to to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and going back to the last one we mentioned about the lack of music, this one obviously didn't. They both had entrance themes. Actually, they're quite iconic their themes, and obviously, I guess yeah, I'm saying I'm saying they're iconic because obviously, you know, watching the Mid South and stuff. I was going to say actually, at this time, and in, at this time, did was there any tag teams or single competitors that had? sort of theme tunes or if they did which I'm sure they did but as, as any as iconic as these two um, just in case because we had a little bit of te- technical difficulty there and what we may have asked this question already if you haven't heard it already then it didn't survive and if you are hearing this a second time I, I can't didn't I do a great I job of re-asking that yeah question? I can't be bothered to edit it out so um, yeah I think there was probably a few people I know world class were, were doing a lot of um, a lot of stuff at the time around music uh, and also, um, I'm not sure if Hogan was using music in AWA at that point, but he certainly was. Um, oh, no, sorry. Hogan was WF champion by this point, of course. Hogan was using Eye of the Tiger during 84, actually. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, there, there was. I'm thinking 83, but yeah, he was using Eye of the Tiger at that point. Um, so, yeah, there was a few, and it became more of a thing as, as, time, as time went on. Yeah, I'm spoiling it quite a lot. I'm, as you say, the start sort of was trying to get the crowd going. It seemed to just be massive issues around pulling hair. Yes, the there was a lot of you know demonstrating, even demonstrating to the ref what pulling hair looks like, which was yeah, very yeah, yeah. Um And having looked at all four, cut your hair. All four <laughs> of them with their long hair, which obviously height of fashion at the time. Um, 
I really like, there was a bit where um, Ricky uh, was kicking, uh, stopping them tagging by kicking their, uh, kicking their hands out of the way when they were just about to tag. Mm. And then when the other member, I keep getting confused, but for the Midnight Express ran in, he jumped up, sort of hurricanrandered them over. Oh, I really like that, actually. Yeah. I do you know what? That's, that's excellent, that is. And people mentioned about the highest Oh, I know. That I was know. absolutely I, brilliant. I, I, I do get it. I do get it. Everyone's, we, we're the same. Our wrestling from our, ch- our childhood is, is you know, we're always going to look back, for, you know, you've Hogan and The Rock and me with Brett and Steve Austin and yeah. Matcha Man before that. I understand it. I understand it. I understand it. But, and, and again, it's no, there's no problem if you just don't, you know, you just don't like modern wrestling. That's absolutely cool. Like everyone can be into and not into what they, what they want within reason, clearly. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, but, I, I just don't think fundamentally that wrestling is bad now because people know that it's a predetermined, just like, you know, um, I was I was trying to think of a film that was fiction. I, the, the first thing that popped to mind was Top Gun. Top Gun, a, a, nice, a nice modern reference there. But you're not going to not watch a story because it's not real. And that's that's the bit. When everyone, anyone ever says to me, well, why do you like wrestling? It's fake. My, my unusual response is, do you not watch any fiction? And it's yeah. like, I'm not into sci-fi, but I understand why people are. Like, anyway, we're, we're getting into rant mode. But I'll, let, I'll let you get back on with your, uh, your notes. For those of you that can't see, we're on video call, and he's, I've, I've just had a look, and he's moved his soapbox next to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I, I really like that bit. And, uh, yes, say, you know, it was... Uh, maybe that was classed as a as a high spot, you know. You, you know it's a bit. Yeah, of, these bit, are those wrestlers now. Action. I yeah, really enjoyed of course it. they are. I bet there was people. There was probably people back then. Sorry to interrupt again, but there would have been sixties and seventies wrestling fans. Would have looked, and I know this is the case for people like Ric Flair. They would have looked at these guys in the early eighties. Well, that's not realistic enough for me. That's you know, that's yeah. too many high spots here. So yeah, it's always the same. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I did like the bit where yeah. Uh, Robert was so so angry. He runs in and he just chucks Ricky over the other side, jumps on. Do you know what I liked about that? Is the amount of times I have watched tag team matches and seen that the person is watching their partner getting beaten up and they do nothing about it. Yeah. And yeah. when they do do something about it, they leave them. They they do something about it. They know they're going to get pulled away by the ref, and they and they they leave them there. As a lamb yes. to the slaughter after going yeah, yeah. I was like, that is exactly what should be done. You've run in, okay, you've flung him, you've hip tossed him. Yeah, but he's back in the corner with you. I was like, <laughs> that is that's realistic. Yeah, that that's is great. realistic. That is yeah. what you would do. And uh, so I like that. Um and also the just to clarify on this one, the crowd, the rock and roll chants were so clear yeah so loud and i even saw some rock and roll express merchandise on some oh the, how interesting okay the, yeah people. yeah i saw a couple of rock and roll um, express t-shirts which was which you, again we've discussed before you don't you don't always see um i did like the um sort of midnight express because they got this sort of chain out to i think it was to clothesline uh, when they were then trying to i just think it's brilliant it's just such a great cornet heel manager technique the fact that they were just like oh this this oh this weapon here on the floor they, they use that that's why they won as <laughs> yeah. if they got that out I just thought that is just it was really class. good that is classic like yeah they used it and actually you could see the ref was like we could have I didn't see because this ref saw nothing I mean this is this is the famous part this is the fast count ref yeah 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 um, which and again a very fast count again but yeah I just thought it was really good I, I actually had this down as a must watch 
Oh, okay. Um, so the very top scale. Yeah, you know what? I think I've, actually I've probably been I've probably uh, been a bit unfair. I think this is probably must watch. Actually, I think fair. for me it's because yeah. it's the two tag teams are. I just think you know whenever they face each other, it probably is a must watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's the second time I've seen them against each other and I think the first one was a DQ and this one even though it wasn't a DQ it was still a bit of a unclean ending yes and yeah yeah these things like okay look it's only two matches I'm sure they fought both but back then it seems like they didn't really care about that but it does like you're just like okay they got the pin this time at least but I'm still like I just want to know like come on just just have a match and let's just see who's the best Without all of the yeah. other stuff, it's just so hard to. It's just not. It's just. It just wasn't seemingly not the done thing then. No, they can. They, they, they do. You can't have doing... a manager, and and you can't really have a manager and a clean finish. No, they're really. doing it's these a rule of thumb. Yeah, they're doing these finishes to try and get you to try and have a reason to come back again. So there's like an yeah. out for the heels and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, that I'm just going to quickly run run through. Uh, sorry, Dan, anything more to add on Rock and Roll Express? No, no, no. no, no. no. <laughs> so I'm just going to quickly run through what we've got in store next week. So uh, just very quickly, we've got Magnum TA versus Ted DiBiossi and a North American title match. <laughs> Terry Taylor versus Dr. Death Steve Williams. The Midnight Express versus The Fantastics. Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Ted DiBiossi. Bill Dundee versus Mid-South Moments favourite Adrian Street. And also, to close, a scaffold Mid-South tag team match between the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. Um, that's all coming your way next week. All the links to all these matches are on. Check check the Twitter, check the pinned tweet, and you'll see all the links to these. Um, Dan, Twitter plugs, and we're getting out of here. At Dan PFFC, and I cannot wait for next week. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to. Thank you all for listening, and we'll speak again soon. Welcome back to part two of our live show look back on 1984 Mid-South. Dan Phillips is here. How are you doing today, Dan? Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Good stuff. So I did a bit of digging in between shows and a little bit more about the discovery of these tapes. This is from the Wrestling Observer website on June 25th, 2015. The entire Paul Bosch Houston Wrestling Library with many of the matches complete with original commentary by Bosch himself was discovered. The matches span the late 1960s through 1986. The library apparently was stored in an air-conditioned unit and the quality and clarity of the audio and colour is said to be amazing. And some of these matches have not been seen in over 40 years. So I couldn't find any more details about this, but obviously, clearly, this is the reason why these were, these were kept um, and this, this ultimately became the NWA on-demand service that you could pay for, which has obviously now all found its way to, um, to YouTube. So first up, we're looking at the July 6th, 1984 match from the Sam Houston Coliseum in Houston, Texas. This is Magnum TA versus Ted DiBiossi for the North American Championship. So um, I thought the production was slightly worse on this one than the other match we've watched so far with the arena looking a little bit dark. Um, the crowd was hot for this North American title match, as you'd expect. And this was, aside from the Midnight's from Rock and Roll, um, the match I was most looking forward to on the list. Uh, DiBiossi took control around the four-minute mark and slammed Paul Magnum's back into the ring post on the outside. Back in ring, he climbed to the top rope to drop a fist and the crowd actually gasped and many screamed at the prospects of their favourite taking this move. DiBiossi's offence looked really crisp and I thought Magnum did a great job in selling the beat down and showing himself in some real peril. The action slowed a little around the seven-minute mark when DiBiossi applied a camel clutch but the crowd soon bought into this as a potential finish and got behind Magnum to break out of it and reacted big when he did, sending Ted to the outside. 
Uh, Magnum was hurled into the ring post again, this time face first, um, just under the 10 minute mark and also into a ringside chair. When he was hurled back in by DiBiase, he was busted wide open, albeit it was a little bit difficult to see on this recording. The champion looked done for, but had a brief moment of comeback where he caught Ted with a small package for a great near fall. The onslaught continued on a completely bloody Magnum before eventually he backdropped his way out of a pile driver attempt and rallied. Magnum's comeback with the two traded before over the, before he took over was great. DiBiase was held into one corner and the top rope came away completely. DiBiase tried to grab it, but Magnum did instead and hit Ted with a metal turnbuckle connector for a near fall. Um, there was a weird spot where the ref did a drop down when Magnum was running what was left of the ropes and DiBiase did a stun gun on Magnum. Someone was frantically fixing the ropes in the corner as DiBiase pulled out his glove and went to the top rope for the fist drop. But Magnum moved and then hit the belly-to-belly -belly suplex for the win in 15-11 to a super reaction from this crowd. I thought this was a tad slow in the middle, um, but this was ultra-dramatic with Magnum beaten down and bloody and finally coming back to get the clean win. Um, before I give my rating on this one, Dan, what did you think of this uh, Magnum versus Ted DiBiase contest? Yeah, so similar to Keep the Thing Going, similar to the last one, I there's a lot less YouTube comments for this show. Oh, right, in, okay, yeah. in each match here, there's a lot less. Um, but this had quite a lot, actually. Uh, ten comments. One, 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 maybe. I was quite impressed with Ted, Ted DiBiase, actually. And, um, but um, someone's called him without, without, <laughs> without his uh, being in the, this, this promotion at WWF. He's more like the thousand dollar man, which I thought was a bit harsh. That is harsh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone mentioned that how, when, with this video, that the ring seems about 25 foot sort of long wise as you look at the screen, but then only sort of seems to go back about 10 foot. Like, it doesn't oh, seem I like see. a square. It's like stretched out a bit in the way, <laughs> yeah. way it's done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, and then there was, um, so, there was actually a query on, on, in the comments section. Um, okay. Which I wanted to raise with you. Um, someone went on to Wikipedia. And I was part of me was going, God, someone's got a lot of time in their hands, as I was sitting there on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and someone says that at this time, when they looked at the who owned the belt, um, that TA held the belt between May the May the thirteenth and October the sixteenth, nineteen eighty four. May the thirteenth to October the sixteenth. And someone mm. said, Why is Deb Ted DiBiase coming out with the belt? Because wasn't he the champion? No, he wasn't. Um, Magnum was the champion. Oh, was this. he? Oh, yeah, I, thought, yeah. it was a, I yeah. thought they said new champion in it. I, I, I agreed with this person, so... No, yeah, um, there was That's something... weird that there's two of us that thought that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I... there was... Did someone say it on, a, um, on the video? Was it... Oh, sorry, I, you know what, I'm confused here. Did someone... Was there a, um, a, like a voiceover before the start of this match on this one? Or was this not one of the ones that had that? No, I don't think so. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I just thought. No, I'm pretty sure. Again, now now I'm like now I'm confused, and I don't want to sort of cause it cause any controversy here. But <laughs> I I've written it down, so obviously maybe we'll, we'll go back in a bit and uh, have a look when we maybe later on in the pod. Um, the other thing on YouTube is if you are viewing the comments, there's some some comments on there that I'd probably lose. There's someone that's really really likes ted dibiase yeah an adult in nature that makes terry's comments look very very normal uh, yeah. there's some very explicit comments about what someone likes like how much they like ted, 
So, told you not to look at it, but you're all going to look down here. You're going to love a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's me Wikipedia um, YouTube comment run through. Um, the star of the show for me in this match is the ref. Uh, I noticed little things like the match started and TA puts his hands up like a sort of fist, puts his fist up, sorry, and sort of does a little sort of few boxing jabs. The ref does the same. Oh, really? The ref also puts <laughs> his hands up and does a few boxing jabs. Then, obviously, I couldn't stop watching the ref. The ref is, you know, when you're at, you know, as, as we go to, to Fulham and stuff, and people go, oh, you headed every, you headed every ball, we've done all that. And sometimes, you know, a cross will come in and the player's heading it and you're in the crowd and you're pretending to head it. The ref was ducking, diving. When someone got hit, he was moving back. He was, like, he was in that He match. was selling it, yeah, yeah. And that, made, that meant for me that, as you touched upon, at the end, he was in the match. Yeah. When Terry Taylor comes off the ropes, the ref falls to the floor, so Terry Taylor jumps over him. Magnum TA, sorry, Magnum TA. So Magnum TA, so yeah. Magnum TA sorry. Jumps over him, and then he comes back. And oh, honestly, I was like, he's got his moment. Yeah, he wanted to be in that match, <laughs> and he's got in the match. He is the absolute star of the show for me. In, in, in that, I suppose um, better dropping if it better him dropping down than than get knocked uh, into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've just never yeah. seen that before, but no. he was he was in it. Um, yeah, so 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 that that bit, yeah, I sort of just yeah, just loved it. Love, love the referee in that. Um, as for the ring. I don't think that was meant to come apart. Oh, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think they improvised with the um, the shot on the turnbuckle corner yeah. bit. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I think we touched upon it in the last show around the sort of the flimsiness of the ring. Mm. And these two big blokes have literally, in essence, made the ring fall down. There's one moment, actually, TA comes off of the ropes and it's just one bloke holding it one side and one bloke holding it the other side. Um, yes, where they're yeah, trying to yeah. keep it up. Yeah. That's actually at the bit where the referee falls down. Um, so yeah, I thought that was. I, I, I thought I thought that was weird. The on me um, on my blood watch on me blade, me blade, <laughs> the blade, blade man. There's a few spoiler uh, blood uh, elements during these six matches, um, but every single one. So I'm not going to keep going into it. Just to clarify, every single one, the camera cuts away, so you can you can't you can't see it. see it. Okay, yeah. What I would say is Magnum's blood, how it come out, he cut well because he had he has what Jr. would refer to as a crimson mask. I would yes. say, yeah. as I sit here in my uh, crimson Oklahoma Sooners T-shirt, um, which I've uh, given, I've now got into a uh, college football and. For me, having watched Mid South and listening to Phil and Jr., there's only one team for me to start following. So yes, I'm already decked out in the merchandise. But yeah, it was um, it was very much um, yeah, it was he literally's face was covered in blood. Um, but that, uh, um, do you know what, Dan? You are right about that belt. So doubt what, everyone. So so <laughs> what what I think this was was that the clip start. There's two bits that are wrong here. So the clip, so they're idiots to start off with. NWA uh, classics on demand, um, as as I will go on to in more detail towards the end of this uh, the end of this podcast. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I, the listeners can look forward to a, a customary rant about something towards the end. Um, so what they got wrong here is so Ted DiBiase is holding the belt. I imagine because just before the clip starts, Magnum, the champion, has handed it over to the referee for the referee to display. And DiBiase, being a heel, 
has taken it from the referee and held it up basically before giving it back to the referee. So therein lies confusion number one. Confusion number two is even though this title history is available everywhere online, you can check it. You know, Magnum's a champion. Teddy Biossi wasn't champion in 84. Um, they key the bottom of the video with Ted DiBiase as the North American champion. So that's, yes, that's, that's what the I reason. thought I saw. Yeah, there we go. So that's the reason. I, I, apologies. I, I thought Thank I'd you. noted that down, but I didn't. <laughs> I hadn't. But there we go. That's the reason why. Um, and yeah, just, just plain, just not very good from uh, our friends at NWA Classics On Demand, which yeah, is also sure. the same as when they decide to add commentary onto matches, which was done in post-production. But we'll talk about that in about an hour's time. Oh, we will talk about that. We'll yeah. talk about that, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, going back to the yeah, so he's blood. And actually what he does with that thing is he sort of hulks up a little bit, mm. uh, Magnum, which, uh, you know, and it looked, re it re looked really, really good. And it all added to just a, like, just, just a, if you, if you knew that, right, you've got these two and Magnum's going to win right at the end. It ended exactly as you, as you would have thought. That's a good ending. Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, DiBiase loads the glove, comes down, Misses, power slam, pop from the crowd. It sounds predictable, but when it's just when it works that well, it was just you know it was poetry. I don't. I th finished. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Bang. Love that. I love the ending. Yeah. This is a classic babyface finish. I I'm going um, recommend here with perhaps a slight leaning towards must see. What would you rate this one? I've gone solid recommend. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. Because I like I like the ending. Um, and just want people to check the ref out. Just, yes. just living his, he's living his wrestling dream, in my view, in that match. <laughs> so, you know, watch Good stuff. So, so a very solid start there. And um, fortunately, I think that, you know, the quality, does the quality remain quite as high throughout? We shall see. So August the 3rd, 1984, from the Sam Houston Coliseum again. We've got Terry Taylor versus Dr. Death Steve Williams for the Mid-South Television Championship this time. Um, the video has a brief post-produced announcement from NWA Classics on it before we head into the ring for the contest. Taylor and Williams both sporting blue and unfortunately there's not a football helmet in sight. Um, there was also a steady cam at ringside, um, I think for the first time in these matches so far. Um, Taylor had the early going with the crowd loud but markedly not as loud as they had been for some of the other matches. In fact, during a very early rest hold spot, they quietened down quite a lot, um, which is perhaps not surprising considering Williams and Taylor were down on the mat and not doing very much for what seemed like an eternity. Um, a wretched arm lock followed where Taylor basically just held Williams with no joint manipulation or any positive reason for being there other than taking their time and conserving energy all of three and a half minutes in. Williams got on top with a punch of Taylor over the referee's back and the heat from the crowd did grow a little bit. Williams again employed a long rest hold here with Taylor in a headlock on the ground. Um, I'm not sure whether these two had a particularly heavy night the previous evening or perhaps one or both were working hurt. Obviously, you know, these guys worked a, um, a tough schedule and I'm not saying that, you know, I could produce anything, even one million percentage as athletic or as good as these guys. But this was terribly, terribly slow early on. Um, perhaps just not to my taste, but I always feel like a match should start somewhat hot and then they can move this sort of thing in the middle sections if they want to, to, you know, gain some energy back before you know gearing up hard towards the finish finally at the nine minute mark and nine minutes of just nothing and um, taylor fought back and hit a cross body block for a near fall williams soon got back on the offense and before um before long was right back down in the front face lock uh, because what the match needed at that point was another rest hold 
Taylor's eventual fight back did get a good reaction from the crowd. And he scored a near fall with a roll up before Williams got him right back in with a front face lock. Taylor fought out of the suplex after 14 tiresome minutes and the crowd started to react huge as he fired shots into Williams. And the finish finally came after Taylor drop kicked Williams to the outside. He went out after him and the two fought on the floor before Williams hurled Taylor into a ring post, which I believe led to a bizarre disqualification in 16 minutes and 51 seconds. Williams tried to attack him after the bell, but Taylor hit him with his patented flying forearm. I must be honest, I hated this match. Um, the crowd did get into it at Taylor's comeback. And there is the old adage of great pro wrestling being about doing as little as possible and generating the biggest crowd reaction. But this just wasn't for me at all. Rest hold after rest hold after rest hold and barely any, any action with a really bad finish. Um, you can probably guess where I'm going with my match rating on this one. Before I do, what did you think about this one, Dan? And any interesting YouTube comments? Perhaps this was a remedy for sleep problems, perhaps from some, some uh, wrestling fans out there. Just when you just open this up by saying, oh, I wonder if that was uh, what we've got to look forward to in the rest of the card, I froze because I thought, oh my gosh, I hope you didn't think this was any good. <laughs> this was, I love making notes. We've had this chat before. I do it by hand. I like that. I do a mid-south. Oh, God, it's all writer's cramp. I've got barely any writer's cramp. Yeah. Um, and as YouTube, two comments. One was, thanks for uploading. One was... <laughs> One was, that's a young Dr. Death. He's got short hair, which, number one, I don't... Did he have long hair? And this was uh, His old Japan days was a little bit longer. Ah, yeah, but a not Japanese a huge amount. Individual, he was a Japanese individual that left the car. Oh, okay. Okay. So, two comments, two comments, which I thought, yeah, probably a testament to the match. Um, what did I... What, did, what, what can I say? There was a sign in the crowd, which you very rarely see. That yes, true. No, that little bit of novelty was on me. I found myself just staring at Terry Taylor now every time he gets takes his jacket off. Um, yeah, in case it's smells. a cheeky <laughs> sniff, but he didn't. So even he didn't even have that. Um, I, I did see that at the start, given what we just watched, um, Taylor was really pulling on the ropes at the start of the match. And I was yeah. thinking, whoa, mate, leave that. Be um, careful, yeah. Going back to the holds, I think I've been on this before and mentioned that it's not that I don't, that's not really what I find entertaining. I, I don't want full high-flying gymnastics, but holds. I just think there's a place and a time and a place. I understand why wrestlers use them, etc., etc. I try to, in my mind, justify this on the basis that, as you say, they, they repeat this match for X amount of times. On the TV taping, the matches are five minutes. So they're quick, they're full of moves, blah, blah, blah. They've got to then... This one, I think, lasted well. This you sixteen, nearly seventeen minutes. Yeah, the, yeah. The match was just under seventeen minutes. Right, sixteen fifty-one. So seventeen. Okay, so I I take back what I said about um, the bloke on Wikipedia earlier because this guy that's talking right now, i.e., me, um, I paused when they went into a hold and unpaused when they come out, and I worked out that there was four hold segments. Okay. Total in 11 minutes, there we 17 go. seconds. That's a great and you stat. said what? The, there, was se there was 17 minutes of wrestling. Yeah. The match was 17 minutes. 11 minutes, 17 seconds was in a hold. Yeah. That is what we're looking at here. So, take that out. You've got six minutes of wrestling, which is what they do on the TV. Yes. So, it's like they've, 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 they've extended this match, which is the one thing that we say we... 
that was the main thing that we say we like about the, the, to justify the shortness of a Mid-South match is to say, full of action, bang, 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 keeps you entertained. Yep. That they've been told, extend the match. And unlike some of the others, and maybe it's, the, maybe it's these guys, and maybe it's just, I don't know, but they've gone, how should we feel the extra 15 minutes? Do you know, I just want to cuddle. Do you know what I mean? That's well, how it felt. Like no, no, and you're, you're right. And that's the thing. If, if you showed me, um, uh, did you watch, I can't show what, I can't think of the guy who faced, um, the John Moxley match at the collective thing, um, the, the, and, and, and also uh, at the Josh Barnett blood sport thing. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, the blood sport, yeah, yeah. So, so there was some stuff on that, and that is quite niche stuff, I think, on there. And I, I think I probably yeah. liked it a little bit more than you liked it. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but, yeah. But the thing with that stuff is, a lot of that stuff, when they were doing holds and they were doing grappling, there was... If you're, and again, this is 1984 versus 2020. We mixed martial arts wasn't a thing then, and I understand that. But the, the problem I have with this, and perhaps um, more so with, you know, we talk about 2020 vision now, but if there's no struggle and there's no risk of a submission, you shouldn't be doing it. So there needs to be, there needs to, in wrestling, there needs to, we talk about things not looking real. I mean, and we talk about people believing and not believing. If you're holding someone's arm, and you're laying on the mat, and you're not you're not manipulating their elbow or their shoulder. What exposes the business more? Lying down and doing that, or, or a headlock that's not on, or like John Cena's STF used to be, where he wasn't doing anything, or the Young Bucks doing a backflip. They, if you're if you're really if you can't suspend your disbelief for things that don't look real, and wrestling hasn't been real. Wrestling hasn't looked real for two hundred years, a hundred years certainly. Then that I have I have an issue with that. So that's yeah. the thing. I I I think whole, there's, there's a place and time for submission style wrestling and that sort of thing. And there's people doing this sort of stuff in um in Japan. There was a promotion UWF, which was a, which was a bit like the blood sport stuff, which would was 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 kind of like heavy shoot orientated. Um, I think it was around this time because there was an early UWF match that was um that was rated five stars by by Dave Meltz that was very. You know, very um, was it UWF? Because that just trying trying to think what the um, what the Japanese yeah it was it was UWF in Japan. Um, so yes, yeah, same name as obviously what what Mid South ended up being. So they were founded in 1984, and they did kind of shoot style wrestling where there was lots of grappling, lots of submissions. But that's the thing: if there's a struggle, it can work. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but there was no struggle here, and that was that was a problem for me. Sorry, Dad. Any more on um, this Taylor and Williams classic? No. And move well, on. My last comment is the fact that having sat through 11 minutes of holds. It ends in a, it ends in a DQ. Oh, I know, yeah, I know. I mean, I get, I get, I guess that they are, they're probably doing some DQs in some of these matches to build for returns. So I'm not going to be too hard on the finish, but yeah, this is, this is, this is a big time skip for me. It's a solid, solid skip. Yes, it's a massive skip. And I'll tell you something that is not a skip, and that is August 31st, 1984. Correct. Midnight Express <laughs> versus the Fantastics. So here we go. So Midnight Express versus the Fantastics. Um, as the video starts, the Fantastics are out to their great Zizi Top sharp dressed man theme, which I absolutely love. They have the great red long coats on, and as the ring announcer declares that this is a non-title match, um, the Midnights aren't matching, unfortunately. Um, Bobby Fulton taps his rear in a kind of kiss my ass kind of way in the direction of Jim Cornette. 
and then struts away and the match is on. There's huge heat for Jim Cornette on the apron at the start and he gives Bobby Eaton a little kiss for luck on the cheek, which I enjoyed. And I then found myself whistling Sharp Dressed Man as I was watching. And this went on for a good 10 seconds or so before I caught myself. And um, hilarious Cornette again on the outside, putting his fists up and jumping back and forward on his toes, challenging Fulton. And there was a great moment earlier on when all four men are in the ring and the Fantastics basically forced the Midnights into making a mistake, which ended up with Condry backdropping Eaton. Um, there's another really good bit where Fulton slides out of the ring after doing a crisscross with Condry um, and goes after Cornette. Um, he jump, Cornette jumps up on the ring corner to escape and then he looks like he's had a terrible episode, sells how scared he was and until he just loses it, it completely switches um, and takes off his jacket and just goes mad and he has to be held back by the Midnight Express. Just absolute classic Jim Cornette stuff. I mean, that just that bit, it was already a recommend at that point. Um, later, Cornette did enact his revenge on Fulton by laying in some shots with the referees, the classic poor, poor Mid-South officiating with the referees back turned. Um, the Midnight has got a sustained period of offense, building the heat following Cornette's interference. And you could feel the rumbling of the crowd as they were desperate for their favorites to get back on top. So the Midnight's continually beat down Rogers, including Cornette getting more shots in on the outside. Rogers got a brief and brilliant hope spot with a small package, but Condry broke it up. All four men were so, so good in this one. They teased and teased and teased Rogers making the tag until finally he was able to break away from Eaton with a great drop kick and make it to Fulton, which the crowd came absolutely unglued for. All four men were in there and Eaton hurled Rogers into the referee. Fulton was slammed by Condry and Eaton went for the elbow drop while being held by Dennis. Fulton moved and the elbow hit Condry on the back of the head. Fulton then covered him for 1-2-3 in 17-22 to a supersonic reaction from this crowd. Cornette's post-match protestations and tantrum were great as the Fantastics headed back to the locker room. I absolutely love this. What did you think of this Fantastics versus the Midnight Express? Uh, brilliant. I mean, it was brilliant, definitely. I mean, I was looking back now, I'm like, okay, did I get overexcited because of what I just watched? Yeah, <laughs> I did watch yeah. back to back. Um, YouTube, three comments for this. Um, two that just talk, talking about a good match. One actually made a very good comment about um, it's mad how there was heat, uh, heat, uh, you know, booing or whatever for the start where um, Cornet and and the Midnight Express were hugging. Yes, and it was like I got this man. Now I just thought that was just because they were delaying it, but someone's viewed it as in because it's you know. Bit like we said before, too. Oh, interesting. Okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting how people view it. Maybe, maybe yeah. Who knows? Um, so I uh, guess that will probably was the button they were pushing, been. but it, soft, it seemed, softly it, with the kiss and stuff, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. But, it seemed completely unnecessary. I didn't really understand. It yeah, I guess, but it's it's just you know it's the sign of the time. Again, it's the sign of the times, isn't it? But like, um, obviously, as you say, this is all classic, on it? And actually, they um, they delay the start of every match, really. Yes. They? So. Yeah. Um, Couple of things there for me. Fantastics looked absolutely brilliant in their coordination. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know you have a bee in your bonnet about the Midnight Express. They look. <laughs> to be honest, I normally think, "Oh, you're going on about that." It annoyed me this one. Yeah. This good. One annoyed me because the Fantastic looked brilliant. Yeah. And secondly, Midnight Express. One of them was may have well have been a Fantastic, if you know what I mean. Oh, because the colours, yeah, yeah, yes. So there's yeah. even more annoying me. Not only do you yeah. not match up with your... You yeah, you can't really do that, thing. yeah. It, that was, and it's only because I think he had long trunks on that 
you could tell the difference. Yeah, Eaton wore long got... chance, didn't he? And Conju wore, right. wore, um, so, uh, wore Eaton wore tights and Conju wore little pants and he trunks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I get that. Um I also thought it was quite interesting. I don't know if you noticed when they said it was a non title match, the crowd properly booed that. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the crowd yeah. really booed But that. then when uh, they announce that, you can see where they're going. They're going with the babyface win to set up the title match that the Fantastics don't, don't win. Yeah. So, I, so guess, see, yeah. I don't know who wins this. So when I heard it was an untitled match, I was like, right, well, they're going to win this. Yeah. And for that exact reason, and it, look, there's a time and a place for these matches, I'm not sure. Um, I put in this, I obviously, as I mentioned earlier, on, love the ref in the first one. This is, a, this is the Jim Cornette show. Yes. This is him putting his fists up but we're not talking you know you've, you've seen blokes uh you know i, I yeah, people might be fighting between blokes out on the street is ridiculous anyway but you know you'll have people maybe going come on there tonight hands down all that but then you'll have the cartoons where someone's like yeah i'll put them up sucker put them up and all that <laughs> that's how he is he's like a cartoon yeah he is in a fight yeah. someone yeah and he, he just he looks absolutely ridiculous and it's brilliant yeah, um, so, so good, isn't it? And um, I also noticed that um, we had that, I, I mentioned in the last show, actually, about how Ricky Morton used that uh, kicking kick the tag away, kicking the tag away, and then doing like a hurricane runner. Yes. And that happened again. That happened again. So I quite like that again. Um, also quite like the Fantastic's um, little sort of synced point to the outside, like a little dance, and then pointing to Connor on the outside. Um and it was quite interesting trying to compare it to now. The so both the Midnight Express are outside. Um, the Fantastics do this sort of like little sort of like a handshake to point to the outside. Nowadays, and I was expecting then, and I just remembered, oh, hang on, I'm watching this in '84. I was just waiting for they both point to the outside. They bounce off the rope, and they as as a oh a dive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tope suicida, yeah, yeah. You're waiting for that, and then you realise that didn't happen then. No. Um, uh, but I like, guess you know, probably I was... some people were doing it now. I guess I guess in Mexico, and also Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask would have probably done dives. But yeah, yeah it, but wasn't, maybe it wasn't well I mean, known. Is, yeah. But outside the ring, that's the gym floor. That's rock hard. Yes. I think where it generally happens, the floor's padded. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was good. The fans actually count to 10 when they're on the outside, but they don't get counted out, which I thought was quite amusing. The fans <laughs> got up to about 12. Um, so yeah, and then... So I saw that, um, and then the other things that I was I was looking at. Oh yeah, the other thing with Cornette where they slide it when they slide outside the ring, fantastic slide side, and to get away, Cornette jumps up onto the turnbuckle and like hangs on the top rope. Yes, leg through the top rope, absolutely. And then when he comes down, he's pretending he's like close to having a heart attack. Yes, and then he hops back up and he starts going mad and offering yeah, him for a that fight. Was brilliant. I'm just literally just like, look at this that, bloke. That acting, this bloke. I, I know it was comedic, but that acting, he went from like, he's just been given the worst news he's ever going to have in his life. And he looked yeah. sh he looked physically shaken. And it was all for comedic effect, but it wasn't, we're not saying he's going to win an Oscar for this, but it, it was like, this is incredible, the look on his face. And he went from that to just just like losing losing it completely. Um, yeah, yeah, so so good. Just, just oh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. There, there was some chants, but I didn't know. I couldn't understand what they were. I don't know if you could hear. I, I tried to listen. No, to I tried to listen out for them. I suspect they were probably quite derogatory. But they I definitely had yeah. the word cornet in them, but yes. I'm guessing they wouldn't have been pro cornet. If you no, know no. Um, so, yeah, and but then what's great as well then is then then the match continues, and then I've said this before. 
the guy is the master of being a manager because you have all of that and him being like a little baby or whatever and all of a sudden slick as you like double like you know yes. quick punch to the face yeah. there was one where they'd done a triple team where he held the he held one side uh one of the tag team held the other and while they've been not supposed to come down like i don't like done a triple team like just absolutely brilliant um then you it's had the master, master master wasn't he really he really was yeah, yeah. which lets me to a point actually that when i when i watch interviews with him now um having having stopped watching wrestling for a long time particularly you know when he was in wwe i don't recall this guy right so and she since you know been fortunate enough for you to have me on here sort of you know take pride in my works do a bit of research here. yeah hardest working man in podcasts thank you very much um and um and obviously but the dark side he's on a lot of the dark side of the rings and yes. when i watch them i think he comes across like a bit of a you know, I don't want to, you know, keep the language nice, but he also comes across very, uh, like, I, I always view that he, he's living in the past. Yes. And, but actually, what I actually thought today was, no wonder he's living in the past, because in the past, he was bloody great. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. Like I look at him going, actually, yeah, you know, you, you're constantly talking about how things were, and then also he's trying to sort of talk about things now, but I'm like, no, your views... I'm not sure if he's fully adapted his views to 2020. Like, oh, no, he hasn't. Yeah, he definitely hasn't. Right? Yeah. But I know, but now I get why he lives in the past. In the past, he was great. So no wonder he probably lives there because he probably thinks that's when I was in my absolute element. Um, and I find that interesting because it also makes me sort of, because of the interviews I see with him now, when I see all this, I always just have that tinge of, I don't really like him when I see him now. So I don't like sort of getting too much into him back then. I'm yeah, slowly sort yeah. of just moving and just thinking, do you know what? Treating it like when you've got like an old grandparent that's sort of not moved with the times and you laugh <laughs> about it. I mean, I'm viewing him like that, but because he's a bit younger, you're like, you should know better. Well, um, this you know, is the it. The grandparents that have these views, yeah, we've all got them, right? They're retired. And when they make these comments, right, they're making them in their lounge, in their front room to their grandkids. Yeah, it's not great, but who's it affecting? No one. This guy's got a job. This guy's still working. He's still fully involved in stuff and has been for years you need to move you need to move your views you can't be just going making flippant comments the thing i think for him is that he he's 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 an excellent historian you're right and what he says like how how could you not be immersed in what you did yourself and what you did happened to be just phenomenal time like an incredible time in the business the thing with cornet is i wonder how much is he, he has personal vendettas about people with people and he worked with young bucks, etc. and those people. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff now I wonder is, is this for the sake of viewers on his uh, viewers on his podcast, listeners on his podcast yeah. and for the sake of money, going, or is this what he generally believes? Because I, I don't know. I suspect that the, the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, Mitch, but um, yeah. you, you know, we talked about this on the last show. You, 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 you cannot like modern wrestling because it's not your, it's not your cup of tea and there's nothing wrong with that. You, you know, you can say, oh, I really enjoyed the first three series of Game of Thrones, but it was rubbish after yeah. the dragon or whatever, spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, that's fair enough. But that, that's I mean, not I, mean say like, that... I can have the view that, you know, you've just said that and I don't watch it because I'm a grown man and I don't watch things with dragons in it. Exactly. You know I mean? just, exactly. You know, but I'm exactly. not going to hold it against you, Steve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. So that's, that's the thing. But I, I think that you... 
I, I couldn't say, and I did watch your game fans, but that's, that's a bad example. <laughs> I couldn't say, well, I don't believe that they could possibly make a good Game of Thrones now or something, another series, if they did another series. Yeah. And, and that's the same, it's a bit of a tangent example there. But what, no, are, you but get, what, what, what are you giving this? Um, I, I'm going, again, between, between recommend and, what, and almost must, must watch for me. What do you think rating-wise? Of course, I've got a recommend for... And, 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 and look, it's a decent match, but I think watching I think you're watching Cornet yes. in his absolute pomp here. You see a bit you see a bit of everything with him. Yeah. And exactly. actually, just to clarify, I did not see the um him like throwing a tantrum at the end. I mean he's on his bum like hopping around the ring. But I'll tell you what I did like, it's a non title match and he's lost his mind that they've lost that. Yes, yeah, and exactly. Talking about modern wrestling, and I'm talking maybe even in the last sort of 20, 20, 25 years. Minutes a non-title match. Whoever, if the champion loses, they don't care. Well, that they used to. Cena used to get a lot of stick for that. He'd, he'd, he'd lose a lose a WWE title and he'd come out and roll the next night and have a big smile on his face. And they'd always like, why is this guy doing this? But yeah, and I thought the crowd was really excellent here. So we're going to go into a trip slightly to Bizarro World for our next match, which is uh, from November the 9th, nineteen eighty-four. Um, Sam Houston Coliseum again, and it's Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Ted DiBiase. So we have commentary on this, and after going back and forth uh, and listen, did did the um, obviously the later matches. I believe this was actually original commentary, and this was Paul Bosch himself. So I'm not sure when this was put together or aired, as DiBiase was not the North American champion when this match took place. Um, so as the commentator had said, yeah, you thought it was Paul Bosch. I I put a question mark whether it was Boyd Pierce. Was it definitely not him? No, no, no. I, no it wasn't Boyd Pierce. And the only reason I say that. Is because, and look, I, I, that's one of my questions I had for you, was because I noticed later on in the match, the commentator was ringside and they had like a green suit on. Uh, Boyd was there, wasn't he? Um, and because, and I thought it wasn't Boyd's voice though, was it? I don't, yeah, I didn't think it was. So, but, unless yeah. it was just the timing, but I, I thought I saw someone talking into the mic in a green suit and I just thought, must be him. I think Boyd was the ring announcer. So, so okay. So we've Might not to skip. Yeah, not to skip too far ahead. In the last match, there's commentary, but it's not this guy. But they sound alike. They don't sound all that dissimilar. So I went back and watched an interview with Paul Bosch, and compared oh, okay. the other two voices. And I think I th- I'm, I'm fairly sure. And this with that, him. I've just lost my hardest working podcast. No, no, but I, I, if, <laughs> you know what, if, if, if the, the end, the end commentary frustrated me so much that I felt like I, I, I redid my notes in this a couple of times and that, because it sounded, to start off with, I thought this was original commentary again. And I was like, who's this other guy? And I was like, Wikipedia, and I was like, what's going on here? But anyway, I think this, this is him. And as I say, this is, this is not, spoiler alert, DBOC may or may not end up North American champion at some point in the near future, but um, he wasn't when this match, this match was on. Um, so um, the two are at it in a big brawl right from, from the bell with DBOC an absolute bumping machine. Bosch amusingly said that the crowd was chanting Dugan, Dugan. And while uh, Haxel would prefer Duggan, he will accept Dugan from the crowd. Um, he also used a dated term when describing some exciting little people wrestling coming up next year at the Coliseum and that these guys would steal the show. He also, in perhaps my favourite moment, called 1985, 1985. 1985. Has anyone ever called a year 1900 and something since like 1909 i don't think so but there we go just to what add to th- that just to add to that 
he called the date. Uh, he was talking about the future. Yeah, he must have been talking about 85. He said, Friday, February the 1. Yeah, February the 1. 1985. <laughs> Come to the Mid South Coliseum. Oh, it's not Mid South Coliseum. Come to the Sam Houston Coliseum to see some exciting little people. Um, so when Duggan collided with DiBiase, he said that was NFL style. This time, no pads, no nothing but muscle on unclothed body. While Bosch was providing some interesting lines here, it was grating after the other matches didn't have this on. Um, the two men fought to the outside, and DiBiase went for the power drive, which Duggan back dropped out of. Boyd Pierce is in the background. Oh, I've written "respondent in a red suit with white pattern." I thought so. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, I uh, do find on these YouTube. I think I mentioned in the last show that I find red and green seem to. Unless yeah. This is the, me, unless this shows made me identify that I'm colorblind. <laughs> well, but, um, that would be unfortunate. But, uh, but uh, yeah, at least but, you no. know now. So you know, there's, there's, there's <laughs> that. Yeah. Diviossi was held into the ring post, but no DQ, which showed inconsistency with the earlier Taylor match. More poor Mid-South refereeing. Diviossi was busted wide open. The commentator openly said they'd been outside for over a minute, suggesting there should have been a count out, which I actually quite liked. Diviossi's selling was fantastic against Duggan's basic, but not bad-looking offence. Duggan slammed punches in the corner before being remonstrated by the referee. Not remonstrated, that's not the right word, because before being told off by the referee. Um, Skander Akbar tried to get in the ring, but Duggan fought him off. But in the melee, Diviossi got, got something from Akbar and loaded his glove, hit him, hit uh, Duggan and won by pinfall in 9-17. So um, this presentation of this commentator and, and some of his lines actually nearly made this much watch for me, but probably not for the right reasons. Um, what did you think of Duggan and Diviossi here? So I'm trying to get a screenshot of this. Uh, did you say it's a red suit? I thought it was red, yeah. I've written down. Yeah, sorry. Those. Take it back. It is red. It is red. Okay, I'm, getting, I'm getting my shows mixed up. Fine. It's red. Fine. However, watching again, I don't think that's Boyd in the red suit. I no. think whoever's in that red suit is commentating. That's what, that's what I mean. I, I'm pretty confident that's who it is. Um, okay. Those okay. at home, you're looking at sort of quite near the end of the, near the, end of the match. What's the, t- what's the time stamp on it? Let's have a little look here. I'm, I'm just. I'm just uh, Getting onto it now, I would say it's around, and this is terrible podcasting, so I apologise. No, it's all right. I'll fill uh, the I'll fill the gaps in while. Right. Uh, while okay. We're so you can see the red suit from actually quite a lot from. Here we go. Let's say let's say six twenty. Let's six. say six twenty onwards. Right, I'm going six twenty. And you now. keep watching it through, and you can see the guy in the red suit. And for me, I don't think that's. Boyd, I think this gentleman's older, oh, and I might be wrong. Uh, okay, so he's on he's on screen now. Oh, that's that's got to be Boyd, isn't it? I don't know. Again, unless there's some gimmick infringement. See, in, if you uh, look there, he is commentating. That person on that chair is the person. Ah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? That's he looks like he's got a headset on or something on. But then would they be wearing headsets? No, he's got a, a mic, like a. I don't know. Oh yeah, he's got a microphone, or... isn't he? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Moment. Maybe. I don't. Oh, I mean, it's possible it was Boyd Pierce, but I yeah. wonder if he's. I wonder if he's just holding the microphone because he's he's the ring announcer. But is he actually speaking? Yeah. Oh, and it's in I don't time know. with what's being said. Yeah, mystery. Oh, is it? Okay, I I yeah. passed then. No idea. I, I don't know. Um, maybe it was Boyd, but it doesn't sound like him. But yeah, it's really odd. Really odd. It sounds yeah, nothing so, like him. So maybe that is Boyd. No. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
I assume, so I looked, this was obviously a match that followed um, our watch along. Um, so I assume it was sort of like a revenge match from when he made Duggan cry. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was. It would. Uh, yes, it would have been yeah. after that. Definitely. So I was yes. actually quite invested in this because of that. That makes ah, sense. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I, felt, I felt this one. I felt Duggan in this one. Um, I've Googled Paul, Paul Bosch suits and he's got a couple of, like, not Boy Pierce level, but there's a couple of interesting. I wonder if anyone's there, ever yeah, Googled who, that before. He does look, do you know what? He does look like, he does look like Boy Pierce actually a bit. Um, if you Google Paul Bosch, you, 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 can, you can see a resemblance there actually in terms of, in terms of the gr- sort of grey hair. I think that's, I think that's him. I don't think that's, um, I don't think it is Boyd actually. Yeah, no. so so yeah, I think I think we've 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 in a roundabout way solved the solved the mystery <laughs> there. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, I did notice with Diviasi, uh, he for like a, probably three matches I see him now. He does this thing where he gets in the corner and he tries to kick away with his leg, and just people just catch his leg every time. Mm. Always seems to happen to him. Um, stop doing it, mate. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I do think, as we've discussed, we've had, I said that the ref was sort of the star one, Cornet is the commentary on this. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was in bits at some bit. The crowd shout Dugan, I don't know if you, he then said Ted DBS. He, <laughs> he called him DBS, like as in a nickname. Um, then went on to the, in essence, the small people wrestling. Um, yeah, nothing but muscle and unclothed body. Bit weird again. <laughs> um, then um, I actually did the, I think I'm not sure we spoke about this on the podcast before or just you know when we've been out for beer or whatever but I always rated Ted DiBiase's son yeah we, we've talked about it not on the podcast I thought it was good there, there was a, there was a match. and he's just disappeared this is where I need Mark because Mark's Mark's memory this is this is I, I I've probably told this story on the on the podcast before, but I met Mark on a plane to Houston, and I thought I didn't think I was like a wrestling like I was going to say genius, but that's way too far. Like I didn't know think I was. Like, I thought I knew a decent amount about wrestling, and then I met Mark, and I was like, okay, well, there's 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 a level above. His memory for some of this stuff is just incredible, and I wish I if he if he was on, he could probably tell me what um what when this was. But there was there was a time when. Um, Ted DiBiase Jr. was in a group with Randy Orton and they teased him going face and he got a really good reaction on Raw and I can't remember what happened but yeah you're absolutely right I thought we had everything and I think he um, he ended up trying to be an actor I think uh, in terms of Ted DiBiase Jr. yeah I mean he had the look he had the body I I thought he was I thought he was great yeah he was really really good yeah Yeah, Um, American businessman and actor now apparently yeah so 38 as well yeah just turned so um yeah, I think for this, um, I, I do think it was a bit weird actually at the end. Um, I thought the crowd went, were quite quiet, quite flat at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was described as a, a wallop out of the corner, <laughs> which I quite liked. But the, 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 yeah, at the end, the crowd were just quite flat, which I've got this as a recommend. Um, okay. Um, but. Oh, I've got it as a yeah. I I go, go recommend you got to watch this for the for, yeah. the for the for the commentary. Yeah, but because the crowd were flat at the end, it sort of really I I finished it like uh, 
It's a heel victory, I suppose. Don't they? they were down, their hero didn't win, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but it was really yeah. dead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, yeah. I'd definitely recommend giving it a watch. Just, yeah, if all else fails, you can get to listen to commentary. And maybe let us know who the hell the mystery commentator I think is. We've sol- I think we've solved it. I think we've nailed it there. Um, right, our penultimate match is from November the 23rd. So my final year, my final day as a three-year-old. Uh, is that right? No, a two-year-old. <laughs> what year was I born? My final day as a two-year-old. Is that right? Yeah, two-year-old. Okay, maths, not a strong point. Bill Dundee versus Adrian Street, possibly a Mid-South Television Championship match. But as we'll discover in a moment, I don't think it was. So we couldn't do this live match review show without getting our good friend, Mr. Street, in, could we? We had to have Mr. Adrian Street. In fact, you had a, you had a, like a, a, like a dog toy earlier on that you pulled out. And I did, wonder if it was an, I did wonder if it was like an Adrian Street doll, but I suspect it's not. It's just like a doll or something. Uh, yeah, I'm not playing with dolls. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, no, it wasn't. I, I did have a little correspondence on Facebook where someone's, um, someone, well, actually, my, my theory is that someone's made an Adrian Street figure. Yes. Um, and when I inquired um, about it, I was replied to from the Facebook account called Adrian Street. And my I'm now okay. wondering, it's like the fan account selling it, but it seems like Adrian Street's actual Facebook's replying to me. I'm 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 a bit in two minds, if I'm honest, about uh, whether he he's selling the dolls of himself on the side or not. I um, think I he almost certainly is. Yeah, I haven't I say, committed yeah. to purchasing it yet. But as I've said to Steve a few times, I am a probably one drunk evening away from. Home. So, <laughs> you know, w- watch out; it could be incoming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's hope so. So there's no commentary uh, on this one, thankfully. Uh, and this is from the show where the Rock and Roll Express would be facing the Midnights on the scaffold. So helpfully, the scaffold is in between the hard camera and the rings. Perfect. Um, Adrian is looking great in purple and white. Miss Linda is out there in similar colours. Adrian offers uh, his feet and hand to check as the referee in a dramatic style and does a little dance. Dance? Uh, does a little dance, vintage, vintage stuff from Wales's favourite son here. Uh, Bill Dundee has superstar and a star, oh, sorry, super and a star on his rear. And this battle for mid, well, we think it's, I thought it was a mid-self television title, but I don't think it is actually. So Linda slapped Bill early on, but no DQ. So I was thinking, what, what's going on here? That's weird, no DQ. And um, the crowd are a little bit muted. Um, I think actually I read a, sorry, I'm still in your gimmick, Dan. I read a YouTube comment where someone questioned the audio on this. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the audio is slightly off on this. Um, they're also related to the scaffold. There appears to be some support ropes in the corner post of the scaffold. Um, and most of this match is filmed from a ringside handheld camera. Um, so Linda was consistently involved. It made me think whether this was actually a handicap match. Um, they did one at the Superdome. Cage match, doesn't think it is. And nor did the person that loaded this clip. But it it just it must have been it must have been so I've it, changed he tagged he tagged her in yeah it must have been so she's um, in a she's in like a leotard yeah she's in a wrestling a outfit where he tags her in and she tags out yeah yeah so I've ch- I've changed on our uh, but please do check out that all these matches are available on my pin tweet there's a there's a Google Doc um, which you, which I promise you it won't take you anywhere you don't want to go on the on the depths of the internet it'll just take you to 
the match listings, all of them are YouTube links apart from the last stampede, which is a daily and like, motion. And they're like 10 to 20 minutes. It's like, yeah, they're all very really watchable. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Most have got good production on them. Um, apart from the last one with some dodgy commentary, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so yeah, I, I thoroughly recommend these to everyone. And um, so, yeah, as we talked about, we think the audio was a little bit off here and it did just sound a little bit unnatural when you can kind of see the crowd reacting, but, um, but you can't hear it. And um, there's a big, though, that being said, you do get some sound when Dundee slammed Adrian's head into poor Miss Linda's and there's a near full follow, but Adrian thankfully got out. Linda made a quick recovery, um, clearly made of tough stuff and she was soon back in laying the boots to Dundee. The ring announcer said there were 10 minutes gone by, but it felt a little bit more like 10 months. Uh, poor Adrian had Linda's head hurled into his nether regions at 1335 and you can see the crowd standing and cheering in the background, but it didn't translate in sound. With the audio issues, odd rules, and just a flat-out odd match, this didn't do a lot for me. I'm not sure the in-ring chemistry between Dundee and Street was all that good either. Um, the finish came as Linda went for a punch on Dundee as Street held him. Dundee moved and she drew a poor agent instead. Dundee then pinned him in 14.33 before Miss Linda could break it up. Post-match, they beat down Dundee, including a vicious-looking pile driver but would never repeat this match in Houston again. Um, as much as it pays me to say it, I'm going to say it skip for the second time on this show. Uh, what did you think of this one, Dan? Yeah, um, yeah. YouTube comments, you said, someone just put, look at this, these are a real couple of fatsos. Other people, street is the shit. He's a total, total package. Oh, um, nice. Someone mentioned oh, I thought you were saying Adrian Dundee. Street was the shits there, which I thought was a bit harsh, uh, but Adrian Street is the shit. Yeah, I suppose yeah. the, uh, the extra S is, uh, is all important, isn't it? There? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill, Dundee, some, Bill Dundee was Stephen Regal's butler. Um, pass. WCW? Don't know. Oh, perhaps. Um, yeah, yeah, no. He might, he might well have been. Um, you, you carry on. I'm going to look that yeah. one up. Um, as you say, scaffold up. And as a result, I don't know if this was the reason why, but I was looking forward to this one and no entrance music for Street. Absolutely. No, yeah. So devastated by that. Um, also, at the start, um, I've li just listened to some podcasts recently uh, when Phil was on talking about wardrobe, wardrobe malfunctions. Dundee looks like he's taken some trousers, his trousers off. I don't know, like he's like he's took his, t his top off. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, had Elvis, he had an Elvis suit that he would wear. Oh, it was the Elvis suit. Okay, it was and Elvis also, I can confirm, he had a run in World Championship Wrestling in the early 1990s as Sir William, the manager for Lord Stephen Regal. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah good yeah. YouTube comment there, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, again, look, Adrian Street, the start bit, I'm just in bits again. Like, the ref going to check their boots, and he's leaning on the turnbuckle and like flicks his like holds his boot up like a ballerina like yeah like oh have a look at that and yeah. then like when the ref wanted to check his sort of body he's thrusting towards the ref and the ref's yeah. like <laughs> the ref's like running around like he's gonna get like some disease from him do you know it what was I mean? just brilliant and absolutely brilliant stuff in his bum, yeah. i actually also noticed um dundee did a little skip around as well to sort mm. of try and uh, emulate it um going back to the sound i don't know if you noticed the bell sounds like it's made of wood Oh, I didn't notice that, no. Oh, I don't know how you haven't. It I think this tape was, I think there was something wrong with this one because you didn't have any of these problems on the next one. So I think there was just something wrong like with this tape. It was made of wood. Yeah, It was okay. absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I loved, um, yeah, I loved the you know, street starting every match where he does that. I could see him trying to do it as well. Where he wants to get that thing in where he 
pretends he's going to kick you and then he just yeah. looks at his heel and I thought oh and he went to do it and he missed it and I was like oh he missed it and he still got it in oh this guy like it's just ridiculous um he also he also pinched the ref bum oh I didn't notice that oh a bit of uh I mean a bit of assault on uh yeah, yeah. so in essence while two, the first two minutes 30 are just Adrian Street being Adrian Street. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's worth watching for that, but then the match is, is yeah, not Yeah, I good, mean, the it? crowd yeah. was really flat. Yeah. Um, and which I was quite surprised actually, because when I was looking at the crowd, there was people walking around that obviously been to the bar that had, in essence, what looked like buckets of lager, <laughs> like uh, buckets of beer. Like, I don't know, over here, when we've had like, uh, you get like two pint. Uh, two, two pint, pint picture, yeah. Jug, yeah. Jugs, I suppose we call it, don't they? Yeah. No, no, but you know the ones where like it's two pints in one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was blokes walking around where they were like having like to use two hands to hold their beer and drinking from those those buckets. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the crowd was flat. I was thinking, wow, you're drinking all of that. Yeah, it must have been a sound issue. If it that was, was really. The case, yeah. I don't know though. I just think they were flat because same reason you said like it was. Wasn't very good. It yeah, just wasn't very good. I mean, yeah. you know the the. I mean, you had the inevitable street knocking into Linda with what I'm now classing as the mid south headbutt, which is, I think I said before, always see it tag matches where the old you get the two tag partners and they bang their heads together. Yeah, you don't see that anymore. Um, that happened. He done another one of them hurricane runners again uh, that I've mentioned before. Um, other than that, I mean, I've just got, I, yeah, I was, I'm just disappointed. I just love watching him. And I know it's he's coming to the end of his reign. And I know that this is probably the last match I'm going to talk about. Him. Yeah, yeah. And I was hoping for good things. Um, I mean, he, he's, um, I mean, Linda, Linda got, Linda, I think, I assume it was a glove of her bra. From what I could see, uh, and obviously ended up clobbering Street with it. Um, you had the little bit at the end with the, you know, him beating him up. But you called it then. Actually, it's really interesting. I didn't write some notes, but I think you're right. These two, obviously, in the last sort of, uh, you know, last few weeks on the podcast, sort of the end of '84, they had a few matches together. Yes. They have no chemistry. They have yeah. no chemistry. Yeah, All of their don't. matches are watchable because you're watching to see what Street does, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. For, I, I'm watching it, but don't, when Street's wrestled anyone else, we've said, we've, we've, we've discussed, it's funny and he's good. Yeah. And we've enjoyed his wrestling and we think his ability is really good. Every time he's wrestled Dundee, it's, it's wooden, it, it, it doesn't work with him. Yeah. And I don't know what that is. And you do, I'm going for all different things. Like, was it a case of Dundee? Don't make, again, we've discussed how controversial this was at the time. Was well, Bill Dundee a case of, hang on a minute, why are you pairing me with this? I don't know. I'm not into this. I so think he's not sold on it. He doesn't. Yeah. Perhaps. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, think, I think Street's too. I don't, want to be, I don't want to say anything you know, bad against Dundee. But, you know, I'm just putting myself back. You know, trying to put myself in that in them times. This is this is conspiracy not, wormhole again, isn't it? I I, I, know, I, I don't want to be like that, but I just no no no. no but that's, I'm that's trying to work I, out why does yeah. I know some people don't work well with others, but Street has, we've watched him have so many. The reason we like this guy is not because he prances around the ring. Let's be honest. The reason we liked him, we like him, is because actually I remember 
we first watched him, he's pranced around the ring. We both sort of said, hang on a minute. Okay, it's funny, but he's going to get turned over. And then we were like, whoa, hang on. This guy's, this guy's yeah. good. And then every time wrestles Dundee, it's flat. To the point, actually, where I don't think either of them sell, either of them put no. each other over very well. It's possible they had... Okay, so I would think the most likely thing is they just didn't have... They just, it just didn't click it with them in the ring. Um, Steve Austin, The Undertaker, is a good example of that. It just didn't... Maybe maybe slightly too, too similar or, or whatever, or, you know, it just didn't mesh. That's probably the most likely. But it's, it's always possible that these guys didn't particularly get on. Um, possibly something to do with the character, or just, just they just didn't didn't get on. But I, I would imagine it's probably just just chemistry. And I, I suspect if there's a you know there's probably interviews out there, I guess for these two to speak about each other. And I would hazard a guess it's probably down to a chemistry thing. So yeah, I think this is this is a skip. But we will now move on to. Sorry, just clarify. I oh, sorry, go on. But, uh, I wasn't asked, but I, I would say. Oh, gee, I thought you said skip. Sorry, go, go no, on. Sorry. I mean. Look, let's be honest, it is a skip, but it's Adrian Street, so... Yeah, so must watch. So the first... Five stars. (laughs) No, no. So so there's a reason I said that the first two and a half minutes was all Adrian Street. First two and a half minutes, watch that. Yeah. yeah. Then turn it off. And then turn on, perhaps, if you want to, November, same night, November 23rd, 84, the Scaffold Mid-South Tag Team Title Match, the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. This is our, li- our final match on this live show look back and it starts with Jim Cornette on the microphone talking about how he washes his hair, how the crowd doesn't and nor does that dirty hippie Hacksaw Jim Duggan nor the rock and roll punks. He adds that the Midnights will prove they're the greatest tag team in the world on the scaffold that they should have a good look at the Rock and Roll Express because it's the last time they were going to be in Houston. Um, so yeah, as we talked about, we had a commentator back on this. Um, and I believe this was Bruce Tharp who originally put these matches together to be available online. He mentions Jeremy Madrado is at ringside and on commentary with him, and I couldn't find anything about Jeremy. So they talk about this not being the first scaffold match in history, but it must be close. Um, And they said they were at ringside, albeit later they talk about the NWA on demand website. And I just thought, what are you doing? Who who did did you, sorry, who did you think? So it was, right, so I I agree with you. So sorry, Bruce 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 or Jeremy? Bruce Tharp is the guy that originally yes. made these matches available to air online. Yeah. So, it was so yeah, Bruce so, Tharp, yeah. Yeah. And his dad. Oh, I don't know who his dad is. Right. So his dad. Oh, you know a, this, do you? Uh, uh, I'll put the hours in. Oh, sorry, Dan. I'm, I'm doing you a disservice here. Go, go, carry, tell, me, tell me who his dad is. Go on. So, yeah. Well, so what do you know about Bruce Tharp? Uh, I don't know anything. Say. I don't know anything about Bruce. Bruce. Oh, sorry. So I actually stopped my note taking on him because I just assumed that I'm going to be. I'm going to start talking about him, and you're going to be like, "Yeah, we all know that." Um, that so Bruce Farp. Okay, so Bruce Farp, who uh, I don't know. You have to see a photo. He's born in 1961, right? So he, um, his dad, should I say, was. Um, well, let me let me let me let me read this. Let me read this out to you. So, um, in essence, Bruce Richard Bruce Farb, should we say, uh, American attorney, born in Florida, right? So he's the son of Chet Farb, the okay. wrestling announcer for the NWA Territory Championship Wrestling from Florida. Ah, how interesting! Farb started working for the company at fourteen, selling drinks. Um, so then, done different bits, and then. 
he sort of, I think, I get to just stayed involved with his dad, etc., etc. Um, and it said, in August 2012, Farp's company, International Wrestling Corp, LLC, sued NWA's then parent company for insurance fraud. The case was settled out of court with his company becoming the owners of NWA. Right, okay. Farp, as its yep. president. During his run with the company, Farp changed the NWA's membership system, causing many, many territories to leave or fold. Uh, beginning in March 2013, the NWA entered a relationship with New Japan. What started with Farp going over to New Japan shows as part of his talent as company president quickly turned him into over into an over-the-top heel. Really? He actively wow. cheated for his talent and cut condescending promos to the crowd. So they said on March 2016, NWA's partnership with New Japan uh, yeah, ended, I think. And uh, then he sold NWA to Lightning One Inc., which is owned by the Smashing Pumpkins frontman, Billy Corgan. Uh, on the 1st of May 2017. Now he's wow, facts. So that's Bruce Farb. Yeah, wow, I'm impressed. And then Jeremy, did you get him? I didn't have anything about Jeremy, but I must be honest, I didn't look all that hard. So, so Jeremy, all I could find about Jeremy was that his surname, his, his name is, and I, this might be wrong because it's a lot harder for this one, but the I saw that I weren't sure if his name is Jeremy Peoples, P E E P L E S. Um, but having looked, I don't because I think this commentary has been added on at a later day. Yeah, his age doesn't really matter. Um, but he's a staff writer at WrestlingObserver.com. Oh, I don't know. I I heard Madrado, but I could perhaps it could be perhaps perhaps using perhaps using a, a, a pseudonym or something here, maybe. But I mean, I mean. That is possible I mean, because that I mean, is. That... I mean, 15 hours ago, for example, yeah, he posted a tweet to say, "I'm convinced that the only wrestling nineties, uh, sorry, the only wrestling pre nineties that Miz has seen is Mid South, and it may be Boyd Pierce's suits." Mm, I just thought, given I've found that name, and then I, like, I thought it's a bit too coincidental. I mean, there's he, definitely he, there's he, def- he, yeah. he, he writes for Wrestling Observer, and he's talking about Mid South in his tweets. I don't know. Again. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, there's definitely that's definitely a thing because wrestlers have done post-production commentary on shows that they've been on wrestling with different using different names. So, so it is it is possible that is that is the case. Um, but this this stuff is is just grating in terms of why are they saying that at ringside and talking about a, a, a you know ringside at an event in November 1984 and then talking about an NWA website? It's just like we know what this is. So yeah, I agree. I, I also think. Um, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'll recap the match and I'll talk about the commentary, t- commentary towards the end. Um, so, um, basically, um, there's a good ovation for the Rock and Roll Express, as always. Boyd requested that at all times during this match, the aisleways must be kept clear. The Rock and Roll climb up to the scaffold first, and this had to be about 13 or 14 feet legitimately up. It looked shaky and it looked terrifying. Would you have liked to climb up this, uh, this scaffold? You know what? No, I've made actually. It looks safer than the ring did in the previous. Okay, matches. fair enough. What are your? Are you, are you good with heights, or are you? Are you? Uh, are you not very um, good with heights? Do you know? What? I think I'm all right. Um, yeah. yeah, I've never really had a, an issue. I mean, I don't think any of these four wrestlers would have made it as scaffolders. No. They 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 walked around this scaffolding like it was, you know, okay. They're above the ring. They're quite high above the ring, but. The way they walked, you'd have thought they were on top of the Empire State Building or something. I tell yeah, you, yeah, they uh, were quite tense. Very sheepish, um, but 
yeah, I think I'd be all right. You strike me as someone that would be scared. So what? I don't mind roller coasters. I can deal with that because you're strapped in. I don't. Really, yeah. I'll go up towers and stuff. But I, the thing that I know, but I'm a bit scared. But the things I re, the thing I really don't like is stuff like this. If I was, I couldn't. I'm, I could. I'd go up there, but I'd be shit. Excuse my. Suppose we can swear. We already yeah. had shit, did not we? I'd be yeah. shit scared up there. And the things I hate the most are things like cliff edges and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, cliff I do agree. With stuff. You. When you watch, um, when I see um, people abseiling, for example. Oh think, yeah. Uh, re- recently over here. Yeah, but see my view. So. Uh, I don't know if they have this in America, but I'm a celebrity over here, mm. which this year's in Wales or whatever. Um, at the start, they abseil. Now, okay, I look yeah. at that, and I have no issue with that because what you because I'm like, you've got your strap, you've got mm. you're safe. And now I know it's not safe, safe, but you still got you fall off the wall. You're going to you be just, stopped, you, just, yeah. you just hang around. But again, again, I, I do think if I was on top of a scaffolding, I would be a little bit. Well, hang on, if I fall here, I, I fall yeah. Here. I'm, I'm yeah, down. exactly. Um, and you know, you're going to recap. I'm not going to do any spoilers here, but I was very intrigued about how the falls because you need at least, I think, you need both of the team to to fall to win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was very intrigued to see how that was going to happen. Watching how they approached the scaffolding. Yeah. So they stalled a bit at the start, as you'd expect, with the usual kind of um, rock and roll trying to encourage Midnight's and Midnight's backing off. Um, and the, the, I guess, you know, I've only seen maybe one or two scaffold matches ever before this. Um, and this is the problem with them. Due to the danger, they are action light and stalling heavy. Um, and actually, you've got, you know, two of the best tag teams in the world here and they're stuck on a rickety scaffold, you know, 15, 13, 14, 15 feet up in the air. Um, so um, Gibson charged for Condry, but Condry... Country backed off again, and we go back to a standoff. Actually, I was going to, I was going to ask you that. So they mention these commentators, which obviously we're going to get to. So, <laughs> but one thing they do say is that it's not the first scaffold match, which, you know, I, I was just thinking, I don't know. I guess because we've watched the TV tapings, you know, we've had, we've had the. Uh, the football helmet match actually, which never happened, but um, we, you know, in this we've seen football helmet on the pole match, and we've seen a few variations, but nothing like this. Um, you know, high up and an actual, actual probably real danger, right? Actually, uh, you know, jokes aside, they're one slip away from falling, and you don't know. And, and you know, we joke about the ring setup, but <laughs> we've seen what you know, we've seen worse. We've seen so it made me think. There's been other scaffold matches. This is a thing. So I was just going to ask you, like, do you have any recollection of another, other scaffold matches? Uh, have they covered that in Mid-South when maybe I've not seen? or No, I think, the, okay, so the only, the only one that springs to mind, and I'm sure I've seen a couple, but the one that, well, the one that springs to mind, I think, is, is the, um, the Night of the Skywalkers match, the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express from Starcade 86. Because um, I'm pretty sure that at the end of that, and this is years and years and years since I've watched this, probably 20 years, um, maybe, well, maybe 15, but I'm pretty sure that Jim Cornette takes, takes a really bad spill at the end of that. Um, and he maybe maybe breaks his, breaks his leg. Um, and I think, uh, I'm, just looking, I'm just looking at Wikipedia actually here now, um, Road Warrior Hawk actually rested the match with a broken leg. Um, as well so yeah they were all in all in bad shape there but I've looked up so the first scaffold match was held in Memphis Tennessee in 1971 between Jerry Jarrett and Don Green um, and apparently the match remained exclusive to Memphis until 1984 when Mid-South Wrestling adopted it for the 
for a battle that saw the Rock and Roll Express um, uh, against the Midnight Express. So yeah, this this is this is the first time this was seen in Mid South in terms of this this run of 15, 15 scaffold matches in in late eighty four yeah. between these two. Yeah, so I, I just thought it was just a bit. I don't know. Maybe I just assumed this must be the first one because it just seemed well. Obviously, we discussed a few weeks back when it was announced that it seems a bit off the wall. So it was very weird for me to then hear that it weren't the first. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's that is that is strange. Um, so yeah, I um I don't know. It's just it's just not a match. It doesn't doesn't do it for me. This this the danger is not. It's just not conducive to a good match here. Um, basically, they finally lock up on top of the scaffold with Gibson and Eaton standing behind um, the, t- the t- uh, Gibson. Yeah, Gibson and Eaton standing behind Morton and Condry. Um, the, t- the two soon end up grappling on the ground with their partners at each end trying to help. Um, all four exchanging punches, but again, it's just actually quite difficult to see because you were looking up at the scaffold. And so I presume this was also really tough for people. Most of the lower bowl would have really struggled to see this. Um, there's a big rock and roll chant from the crowd um, as well. Um, and the idea of the main and the aim of the match, as we touched on, was to throw your opponents off the scaffold. So we got a few hope spots with people near the edge, like you know, you imagine in the Royal Rumble uh, being held on the ropes kind of thing. Eventually, after lots of the similar sort of stuff, there's an incredible looking spot with Eaton and Gibson hanging from the middle of the scaffold, very akin to hang tough on gladiators back in the day. I think we talked about we talked about gladiators somewhere. We talked. We, yeah. we were Gladiators fans. Um, they kicked each other until finally Eaton took a fall into the ring. The commentator said that he had suffered severely, or he severely injured his back after what he described as a 30-foot fall. 30 feet! I mean, it was, it was probably not even half that. And this is a commentator that's adding that after the fact. What's he doing? Gibson then kicked Condry off the scaffold for the win in 14-29. Um, this was tough to judge fairly as I really hated what they did with the production of this match so much in terms of putting commentary after the fact. And it, and it makes me question, what sort of ego does someone have to, add, have to have to add commentary to a Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express match from 1984? Pretend they're there, but they're not. Talk about farcical things like a 30-foot drop and the website, which I presume meant they'd also, not only did they put classic Mid-South on a website. They've also developed a time machine to go and commentate at, at ringside. Um, this really left a sour taste in my mouth, as you may be able to tell. And um, Dan, before I rant any more, what did you think about this, uh, this scaffold match? So I'm going to leave my views on the commentary out until we get to this segment that you're going to bring up in a minute about the commentary, because I've got my own thoughts and views. Oh, so I've just done ju- that. I've just done that. That's all I've got. I thought you said you are going to come back to it. No, no, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm done right, well, Let, the let me yeah. give my views about the commentary. Yeah. I agree. Like, so, do you know what? I actually, <laughs> actually originally, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to go into a joke then about how, how, what do you say? How, um, how arrogant or how, yeah, what, how, what, what, what an ego. I, I actually thought, how big's your ego if you think that you can talk about 1980s wrestling in 2020? <laughs> but uh, you didn't. Um, but to be honest, when they first started talking, I was willing to give them the benefit that I knew straight away it wasn't from then, right? Yes. Straight away. But I was willing to give the benefit of the doubt because, do you know what? That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. So I thought it's two guys that are commentating on this and it would be like me and you commentating on a match, yeah. right? So I was willing to go, do you know what? Who am I to not these fellas when we record this and you do it with your guests that are, some of them weren't there at the time, etc. right? However, if we did that, 
we would number one make it massively clear that we were commentating now and, and that's the way i think you've got to do it you do it documentary style give some background on oh, what a match you don't yeah. don't insult the viewers like, like how we did the watch along right like yeah, exactly. how we did the watch along we weren't and, and also we never profess on this that we know right no, we, yeah. give, we give our opinions from now right and then if if in doubt we go to wikipedia or or the the two of the uh, pods I've just listened to with um, Phil and Phil and Terry, right? They were there. Yeah. So they tell us from from what it was like when they were there. Okay, great, right? Because I get that. Yeah, you were listening, you were there, or whatever. Fine, you're giving us your opinion there. But these two guys start off, and then you're like, "Hang on a minute, are you trying to pretend that you're commentating live?" I sort of get what they're trying to do, but it just doesn't work. And like you say. Things like he's fallen from 30 foot. Yeah. Come on, mate. He's not for they uh, for me. They spent so long talking about the lights on the ceiling. Oh my god, they were burning. They're so close to the, the, the arena lights, they must be burning them. It's like, yeah, they're discussing. On, I put it, they were discussing that that's as an element that up there they would they were they were making it out like on that scaffold because they were near the lights, it was like the Sahara Desert they were fighting. Yeah. That's how they were making it. They also were just talking. I put it. I put it. They emphasised the scaffolding and just the absolute obvious. Like, oh, he's got blood in his eye. He might not be able to see. Yeah, oh, it could be. That. It could be fatal. They could have could a fatal. Be, fall. They kept going on about it. Yeah. Oh, you know. In essence, they were sort of saying they're near the light, so they might get a bit hot, yeah. and they got something in their eyes, so they might not be able to see. But they made it as in they are wrestling in the Sahara Desert. Blind. Yeah. That's how they made this sound, and it was, and it, and it. However, however, I was just about to say the sentence. It took it away from the match, but because of the way, because of this match, it didn't take away from the match because there was nothing in this match. Yes, yeah. And I'll tell you one thing: in this match, it could have really done with a camera high up. Yes, it really and could I thought have done. So how would you do that? I'll tell you how you could do that. With some scaffolding. <laughs> They've done the scaffolding in the ring. How about put some scaffolding up next to it with a camera on it? Yeah, I guess this was how have you set it? I wonder that if they didn't really want you to see what was going on up there. Because they were talking about, oh, they're landing on steel. No, they're not. Sorry, they're landing on steel on the top of the scaffolding. I don't know if anyone's ever seen scaffolding, but when the scaffolder puts the scaffold up, to walk along the scaffolding, you're not walking along steel. Yeah, no. They put yeah. floor down, right? That Even little things like that annoyed me, right? I, because, because I don't even care that it's in 2020. You put the Mid-South commentators on that, they wouldn't say ridiculous things like that. No. Bill Watts would, would never have said 30 They would be feet, realistic. Not a chance. Yeah. They wouldn't be chance. saying they're wrestling, they're wrestling on the top of steel. They're not wrestling on steel. No. Um, it was, but again, it, that annoyed me in the commentary. I don't, I've gone off on one in there because you, you set me off, but I don't think I was annoyed about you as much as you in the commentary, but I was very annoyed about the, the camera. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, okay, if you're there, you, I don't think you could see there. And that, I think that was a testament to at the end of the match, it was so flat, right? Again, 
that they'd won the match and all I could see from the crowd is they were all trying to get out quickly to beat the traffic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They weren't, they didn't think, I'll tell you what, put it like this, when The Undertaker and Mankind and he threw him off hell in the cell and all that happens, I didn't see people go, right, finished, quick, let's get out before the end of the, let's get out before the end of the music. People stayed and guess what, they clapped, what, clapped the people out, right? This is a, a feature match Dangerous match. Look, don't get me wrong. This is dangerous, this match. Right? You'd have thought they'd have got like a round of applause or oh, well done. But the fans couldn't see what they were doing. No, so exactly. So I think even, even us with, with, you know, there was cameras near, like around the, around it. But I mean, there was about a good 30 second segment when I was just looking at um, the Rock and Roll Express's backsides. Yeah, it's true. Like, and it just... Do you know what? I'm upset because I remember reviewing the TV shows where they talked about this match. Mm. And I remember ringing you and t- saying to you, we don't get to see this then. Where is it? Yeah, and I yeah, remember getting yeah, you yeah. to find it and send yeah. it because I wanted to see it. And yep. when you sent it to me, you said, although we might review this. So I left it. And I was so happy. I was like, yes, brilliant. So I think I was a bit more, I can't believe that. I haven't seen it. If I was to take any good bits about it, I did like the whole, that I guess I thought originally it's just going to be a pure fight on the top of the scaffold. But actually, I did quite like how sometimes they used it a bit like a child's climbing frame. Yeah, that was I good. quite like them little bits like, you know, you go to get thrown off, but then obviously what the scaffolding allows you to do is rather than just dangle, you can grab the, grab the side and all that. I also did like... He didn't fall from 30 feet, but I did like the sort of the monkey bar type gladiators, you know, fighting fighting with your legs. That was that was the best. I thought that was the best part of the whole that match. Was, wasn't that it? that yeah. was really good. And obviously, why that happens, next thing you know, the other guy's hanging, and you know he's going to fall. Yeah. Um, but it was just it was just disappointing. And but the problem is, is I've actually put. I, I, I've actually put recommended. Wow. Only, but I'll tell you why. Not in a good way. Okay. I put recommended. So bad it's good, fact, kind of Well, not even so bad it's good, actually. It's more that for anyone that's been listening to your podcast, they would have seen that it built up to this match. Mm. So I recommend it because I feel if you've been listening and watching, you need to see this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you also need to, you know, Let's be honest, as we discussed before, it's a niche podcast, right? Yeah. It's a niche topic. You need to watch this to, to actually, I actually only think you need to watch it to get as annoyed as we have about this commentary and about yeah. the camera angle. Yeah, 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 yeah. The camera angle, yeah. look, yeah. camera angles from the time, there's not much to think about it, but the commentary, I just want other people to be as annoyed as, as yeah, this is what? the first time me and you yeah. spoke about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we yep. just both agree. Yep. And I just think it'd be good if other people, like, watched it for that really and also it is different it's novelty but i don't know i think you've got to, i think you're right i think in terms of the the end of the the end of the rock and roll express midnight express you know if you want to see what these scaffold matches look like then have a watch of this and get as annoyed about this commentary as i as i did but you know my my final thought was i went for it was an all right it was all right for historical purposes but this would be right at the bottom of a list of matches between these teams you should go out of your way you watch. You've got there's probably it's probably there must be twenty to twenty five, if not if not thirty matches between these guys, significant length matches that you can find online. 
um, especially some of you know some of their their Crockett stuff later. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't get out of the way. So we've we've, we've left we've left uh, this look back on a bit of a downer, but it has been really enjoyable, and there's lots of really good stuff in there. Um, so I do encourage people to have a, have a look at these um, have a look at these matches. Um, and we've got some news. So as of next week, the podcast is moving. It's moving to Tuesdays because as of Tuesday, the 15th of December, guess what? The 15th of December, 1984 episode will be released on December the 15th, 2020. Or as Paul Bosch said, 220. Um, so yes, so that's what, that's what we're doing. It's annoyed me for many, many months. So we're, we're linking it back in on Tuesdays. Um, but thank you very much for taking a look back down uh, memory lane with us. Dan, any final thoughts on, the, on this, this scaffold match or these matches overall before we, before we get out of here? No, I said, look, we've been on downer, but as we said earlier, look at the links and you don't have to watch them all. You can just pick and choose. Obviously, yep. we would say pick the ones you recommended, but you may hear some of the ones we said were a bit boring and gone, well, it sounded like that. Yeah, well, but, is that. yeah, yeah. But as I say, get... It's an easy, they're easy watches. They're quick, you know, got nothing else to do. Watch them on the loo. Do you know what I mean? But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, give it a go. Yeah, I think, I think definitely give it a go. Thank, thank you very much for, for listening, everyone. And uh, Dan, where can people find you online? At Dan P FFC. Good. And obviously on the Mid-South account when they decide to retweet me. Yeah, absolutely. Which, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing, we'll do more. And we, we are back in... Uh, back on, on, if you've got nothing else to do on New Year's Eve, actually, I'm going to rephrase that. What better thing could you want to do on New Year's Eve than listen to us talk about Tuesday night in Texas, the one-off WWF pay-per-view from December 1991. So we'll be back on the new, on New Year's Eve, December 31st, Joel Watts' birthday. So it'll be Joel Watts's, uh, so Joel Watts' 21st was December 84. So 26 years on will be Joel Watts's 47th birthday. Sorry, 36 years on, isn't it? Not 26 years on. I've, I've, uh, I've reduced my age by 10 years there. So it'll be his 57th birthday. So join us on Joel Watts's 57th birthday. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Mid-South Moments. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments. So why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at MidMoments on Twitter, and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.